Hailing frequencies are open. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Clear Skies, our Star Trek Adventures live play here on Quick Times. I'm here with the Stream Punks for our last game of the year of Clear Skies, y'all. It's pretty surreal. Um, it's ending in a significantly different place than where it started, um, but I still clearly remember um, the day where I was able to first say Hailing frequencies are open, and I want to go ahead and start by saying this show exists because of all of you. Everything that we are doing right now, the support that you've been giving us on, on Patreon, the following us from Geek and Sundry to our own little independent space where you've been following our stories and helping us create, this all exists because of Ox Crew. You guys, some of y'all have been following us since we were walking the deck plates of the TARDIS. You followed us across Raft City and through the skies of Los Angeles, and now you've been following us through once again the Shackleton Expanse, and we can't thank you enough, and we're so grateful to have all of you. Um, it's been a hell of a ride, but before we get into the sentiments, I'll save that for last. Does anybody have any announcements that they would like to get underway tonight? Somebody, are we wrapping up? Is that is that what's happening? Oh my God, I was about to say, what kind of show would this be if Bonnie or Xander one didn't have an announcement? Gee, checking my, making sure I was in the right reality. Go ahead, Bonnie, yes. Uh, Wednesdays here on Q Times is Denver by Night. The Vampire, whoop, my lights go down. The Vampire Masquerade <laughs> show. Literally by night. Uh, yes, I like to I like to make it a dark, dramatic uh, mm -hmm. moment when I introduce the show. And Saturdays, of course, is Things in Space. I don't think I'm going to be on this upcoming Saturday because I have to be Mrs. Claus somewhere else. Oh, oh, oh. Speaking of that, I'll be posting some Mrs. Claus videos for Christmas. So look out for those, everybody. Oh, look forward oh, to hey. being scarred. Yeah. Yeah, look out. Get ready to be scarred with my old lady. <laughs> All right. Anybody else got some announcements for us? Yes, Gina. Uh, just small one. Um, uh, Total Puppet Chaos is wrapped up, and uh, Failed Save is back. Um, so that's Fridays uh, over on Pixel Circus's channel at 6 p.m. Uh, with Xander and I, and uh, some other some lovely people. Um, and so we're we're back for season two with a new cast member. You may have heard of the amazing Abria. <gasps> Yay! I know. Oh my God! I was gonna say. Oh, oh my gosh. You're going to call Sam's head to back. Uh, <laughs> we now get the joy of of, of gaming uh, with Abria's character fest permanently from oh. this point forward. So please, please watch it for that reason. It's alone. very fun. In, inside, inside info, every single time I'm like, I want to run a game. Who should we? I don't get to finish my words before Sam Delev is like, Abria, Abria, you've got to invite Abria. You've got to have Because I'm a friend of taste and distinction. Yes. <laughs> All right, Aki, you had an announcement? But a caveat to that, Abria is also the busiest person on the planet. It's- For that reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, I am doing a really cool experimental D&D 5e show uh, with a couple of the people who've done things, I don't know, like work on the Oculus or, you know, stuff like that, or super into like interactive gaming. And we're doing like a highly interactive D&D 5e game set in a homebrewed world with a bunch of homebrewed uh, like races and stuff. I play a space gecko who is technically a monk who grapples with their tongue. Uh, we have somebody who li like plays a literal jukebox. Um, we've got like some fun stuff happening and that's on uh, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. over at the Maze TV show on Twitch. 
Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun and we'll be doing it for the entirety of December. So if you want to come see some weird stuff, come hang out. <laughs> um, I do have an update. I can tell you officially if it's okay to say this and, and rave, you can obviously slap me around a little bit if it's not, but I can tell you that the bachelorette game is currently in planning. It is currently being planned. <laughs> is that correct? Ravity? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, like I said, um, we're looking for, <laughs> we're looking to uh, premiere it in the first quarter of next year, y'all. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, it's, it's like right around the corner and I'm very excited. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just going to be a whole hot mess been watching this season. And just like know that I've tried to capture the essence of like the worst <laughs> and the best of The Bachelorette and put it in to a 10 candle game. So like just another one of the brilliant, brilliant things the stream punks are going to be doing next year. Is that using the 10 candle system? Yes, it is. Oh, God. It's going to be great. Should we? Should yeah. we? I, I will give that five raves. So good. Um, yeah, and it's going to be really interesting, like, adapting the 10 candle system, which obviously, like, you know, uses actual candles in, in a gameplay system, like, over, like, a Zoom. So, like, figuring out how that translates and how I want to translate has been one of the funnest, like, parts of that. Yay! Yeah! Fire! Uh, um, does anybody else have anything? That, uh, Sander, okay, yes, we got all the stream punks got stuff. I wanted to use my announcement to wish Elisa Pearl a very, very happy birthday. Yay! Or, or not? I don't know who that is. Oh, I was okay. I was uh, muted. She's oh. a she's she's uh the GM of this game called Blood of the Void. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of the sibling game of of this one. It used to have this other GM, but like he he mm -hmm. kind of you know oh yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. we shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Eliza, who obviously has been a part of our family for a bajillion years now and who we love dearly. And also just a quick um, happy birthday shout out to Blue Jay, who's like part of the extended like circle of friends yeah. of the, uh, the Stream Pugs family. I think she's actually streaming tonight for her birthday. So I think she's oh, probably gonna be- Her new hair looks so good. Her hair looks amazing, yeah. right? She's rocking that. Um, let's see, I think, Unless there's nothing else, unless there's absolutely nothing else, there's no other announcements at all, unless no one has anything else to say. Come on, who else wants to see how long he can vamp? Before we get excited, because this is our last episode, I just want to wish everyone out there a happy holiday season and to stay safe and healthy, and that is all. Yeah. But we should also get excited, so I'm going to let Sam take that over. I'm excited. All right. You heard Captain Green Lips. It's time to jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies.
But in all honesty, E-Honda would beat the crap out of Quark. I mean, I don't see that going any other way. Yeah, I just don't see that going any other way. Honda would just annihilate him. But it would be amazing. Leave Quark out of this. I would I would pay Latinum to see that. Uh, <laughs> as much as I love Quark. I'm just I'm just saying. Okay. <clears throat> well, tonight's episode of Clear Skies, we left off on a pretty fantastic episode. Actually, interestingly enough, this episode is picking up in the aftermath of the events of Blood of the Void, which happened recently. If you haven't caught up on that episode, this is your warning. You're about to uh, learn what the outcome of that episode was. We're going to go ahead and skip most of the recap this evening. Since last week was a very self-contained story and a very special one at that, the only things that are worth pointing out is Exio, in a moment of serendipity, managed to discover the origin of her technology. Not only the origin of her technology, but the probable origin of her creator. Which leads us to our opening scene tonight on Clear Skies. We begin as we fade in to mid-afternoon during Alpha Shift. The USS Ross has been surveying gaseous anomalies. It's been one of those quiet assignments that you have all been surveying using a lot of the technologies that have been given to you all by the Dishashians. A lot of tests have been run with the high resolution sensors that the USS Ross has been using because the Ross is trying to implement its technology to see if it can now start to build models of predicting when particle fountains might form. Now, particle fountains being, fountains being exceedingly rare, it's not necessarily likely you're actually going to run into one. However, you might be able to determine where one is likely to emerge in, the, say, the next thousand years or so. And thus far, the Ross has been conducting survey experiments since its unusual <laughs> encounter in its previous mission. As a result of this, the crew has once again been engaging in enrichment activities all over the ship. And indeed, it's particularly special this coming week as a Bajoran Midsummer Festival is being celebrated on the promenade. Um, later this week, there is a festival that is going to be held on the promenade that is a, a harvest festival that, was, that is practiced on Bajor and is being coordinated with a few of the officers. Specifically, it's being coordinated by um, one of the more well-known, I should say, security officers? A lieutenant, or maybe not security, actually. Lieutenant Nadra Badim. They have been uh, coordinating the Harvest Festival arrangements. They are going to be seeing to it. Let me just let me just get. Uh, I'm going to refer to this real quick. Mm -mm -mm -mm. As we are basically pulling. By the way, this is a good moment before we jump fully into the narrative here. This is a good moment to address Ox Crew real quick. If you guys have not gotten your scene yet, and a lot of you haven't. Um, don't, don't stress, no matter what happens at the champions level, you get your, your scene is going to be included in the game. 
no matter what. Your characters are going to be baked into the narrative of Clear Skies. And tonight we got a couple, so I'm really excited to, to bring that in. So I apologize at, uh, for anybody who hasn't gotten the chance to get their scenes in quite yet. That has a lot to do with just the fact that it's it does a lot happening in a game, and <laughs> it really depends on where the Ross, where the winds take the Ross. But um, getting them in this week is this that is by the way yes a confirmation security lieutenant nadra badim is security and ex maki bajoran who uh has departed with the uss ross leaving space dock and they are the ones that are currently organizing this harvest festival that's going to be taking place in a couple of days on the promenade deck You are currently sitting at your desk, Captain, in your ready room, listening to your yeoman go over some of the activities that are going to be expected at the festival. The yeoman has just finished reading off a list of some very pleasant sounding like tea ceremonies, some celebrations, live music. Um, some of the staff has been asking if they can serve real non-replicated food that they've been saving for events just like this one. Um, when you see Yeoman Chanto pauses for a moment and Asmi looks at it and says, and, um, um, <laughs> I've, I'm in a play, Captain. As it turns out, I haven't been told what my part is yet, but, um, one of our, one of our officers is uh, doing a, a, an Earth play called Midsummer Night's Dream and has been casting a bunch of people. And I, I agreed. Um, I have been asked if you would like to partake. This is a, there's a very, very large crew full of Caspians. I think perhaps we'll let them have a shot at them first. It'd be unseemly to pull rank. Besides, I don't really think there's much in Midsummer for me. I will put you in as a no. You are smarter than I was. Okay. Um, May I roll an insight check, please, Eric? Sure. Is Shanto actually upset about this? Or is she just like, mm, I'm in the Okay, this is going to be a contested roll. All right. Like... Difficulty is one. You're rolling your com insight command. I am. Um, this is great. Hold on. Let me pull out her stats. <laughs> it's been a while since I've had to pull out Asmi's stats. It's been a while. Um, do, 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 do. Oh, here we go. So you're rolling. Yeah, you're rolling insight command. And she is rolling presence command. I do. Difficulty is one. It's a contested roll and go. Uh, that's two successes for me. Yeah, she got nothing. Oh. Um, you sense nerves. She is, it's stage fright. She is very nervous. Is Which is kind of surprising because this is, this is the woman who is literally training to get in front of large audiences to make cases and defend in courtrooms and whatnot. But when it comes to performance, it seems like you can see she's a little uncomfortable. You know, the lovely thing about plays is you rehearse them until you have them absolutely right. Should be perfect for a detailed-oriented person like yourself. 
she glances up from the data pad and smiles and nods, and then she glances up again. You see this recognition click in her eyes as she realizes the reason why you're saying this is you can see her nerves. And she just goes, I'm fine. It'll be all right. I'll, um, I'll, uh, I'll just keep thinking about the time that we saved the planet from the crystalline entity and all will be well. Do you keep me posted on the cast list? Uh, Ambassador Olin Marginil is going to be in it. And I've, well, I've pretty much been asked to ask the entire senior staff, Captain. I'm pretty sure you'll suck the commander into it. I suspect Exio will probably leap on this. Yes, Captain. There's a chirping sound when you hear Prawl's voice come up on your comms and say, Captain, we're receiving a priority one message from Narendra Station. All right, I'll be out on the bridge and put it through. I get up from uh, my seat in the ready room, turn back to uh, Janto and say, make sure you ask him. He really ought to be in it. Prawl? Yes, Captain. May I say that you ordered me to do so, Captain? Ordered? I'd never dream of it. Aye, Captain. You step out and you see the transmission is already up on the main screen. And as you step out, Vryn looks over at you from the helm and says, Captain, Narendra Station started broadcasting a yellow alert 15 minutes ago. They've sent out a priority one message. Apparently there's some kind of an assault or an attack on the station. All right. We need to get back there at high warp. Vryn, now. Aye, Captain, setting course for Narendra Station. Prawl says, Captain, I I have Admiral April Abear on the line for you. All right, put her through. The, <laughs> the screen comes live and you see Abear sitting down at her desk right as the screen comes up and the lights are flashing red behind her. And you can hear her saying, can someone just turn that damn thing off already? And when she sees you, she goes, Captain. Sir, I got quite the alarming missive from you. Yes, I'm having to send out a message to all ships in the area because as standard protocol dictates, when a Federation starship or a Federation star base comes under attack, usually the neighboring uh, ships and star bases are alerted. In this case, there's a priority one message going out all across the quadrant and I'm having to make phone calls right now, as they used to say. We've had some activity. By whom? The Klingons and their internal politics uh, came into play recently. And by recently, I'm in, in the past 45 minutes, Captain. They're attacking the station? Not exactly. To summarize quickly what's taken place here, General Cargan is dead. What? One of the commanders of a Klingon warship beamed an assault squad onto the station, setting off station alarms. By the time that we could get to the area in question, a mysterious log was uploaded by my permission after a case was made, indicating that Cargan was working closely with one Admiral Sela. Once this information was broadcast all over Narendra Station, this Klingon commander took it upon themselves to use that as evidence to challenge Cargan to a fight to the death. 
Cargan accepted. They fought. She nearly died. And Cargan was executed in front of his men. She's currently resting in sickbay now. I've got orders from Starfleet not to do anything. This is internal Klingon politics. So the alert and the attack on the station. We can tell you now that the alert was basically a precaution. We weren't sure what was happening. Not to mention I had four armed Klingons, one of them the size of a damn monolith, standing in my office with disruptors. But things seem to have calmed down. And Ambassador Jahl has formally submitted an apology on behalf of the Klingon Empire. I've also personally received a message from the Klingon High Chancellor. This is the way they do things, Captain. And the Klingons won't do anything with Cargan's body. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Klingons believe that once someone dies, their body is a useless husk of meat and worthless since the spirits moved on. I'm having to arrange its disposal. This is not what I expected to be doing as a Starfleet officer. At a certain point, I suppose we all reach unexpected duties. Course is laid in, Captain. You hear Vryn say as he pivots, looks back at you. Shall I engage? Do you need us, Admiral? Not yet, but I have a feeling that the Klingon Empire is going to be sending a new general to be their liaison here at Narendra Station, and when that happens, I'll need all of my officers back on Narendra. Do you have Klingons on your ship, Captain? <laughs> Those sound like Borklons. I, I just shoot a quick look uh, at Patience as being an absolute angel <laughs> and then over at Orwell making all the noise and being a little shit. <laughs> no, no Borkmans, Admiral. We'll be on our way in order to meet you presently. Done. It's going to be a whole different situation when you arrive at Narendra. I don't know what the political situation or the landscape is going to look like. But apparently a lot of pieces had to fall into place for that information to finally get out. I don't know how the Klingons managed to uncover the duplicity of General Cargan, but with that general out of the way, whoever is filling his place is going to sculpt Klingon relationships with the Federation here in the Shackleton Expanse. I hope they send us somebody that we like. Though between you and me, Captain, and your bridge crew, I don't think we could have done much worse than Cargan. Certainly, you are without one colleague to uh, complain about, sir. <coughs> Next, be less worthy of it. Well, I've got to go make a bunch of reassuring calls now to Starfleet. I'll see you soon. Narendra out. Engage, run. Aye, Captain. Setting course, warp seven. All right. Did we know who it was, the commander? <clears throat> Exio could certainly find out for you. 
yeah, I'm basically leaning to to either side of me. Like, does diplomacy know? Is it in the file somewhere? Like, somewhere might be suspicious. <laughs> I think Olin, the entire time this conversation has been happening, has been very thankful that they are incredibly dark skinned. Otherwise, they otherwise be bright red. Um, but when uh, when the captain leans over, kind of trying to figure out what's going on. Olin just sort of gives them a look, um, but doesn't say anything right away. Just sort of, uh, I think they give they give the captain a look, and then they kind of look in the direction of the ready room, and that's about it. Hmm. Okay. <clears throat> All right, I'll make a note. Guess it's not really a right now thing. Uh, I mean, it could be, but Olin's letting you decide it, how 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 badly you you want to know what's going on. I mean, yeah, we'll either find out at Narendra. It's presumably going to be public information, and from what I understand, the only thing ever to hit warp ten is gossip. <laughs> I'm I, sure I, that the that everything is under control there. I'm very sure that everything's under the under control there, Captain. Yes, the Admiral did describe something that sounded very under control. That's how I'd characterize it. Prawl, was that how you'd characterize it? Under control? Prawl looks like he's searching for his words for a second and just says Maybe adjacent to control, Captain? Ooh. Adjacent. There we are. I would like to pull up my file and send it to Prawl. <laughs> you throw the file at Prawl? I'm not going to let her. I, I don't care what. Uh, I mean, I, I, I very much adore and respect uh, uh, Admiral. It's still Admiral, right? Yeah, yeah actually, she's Vice Admiral now. Vice, I knew. I was like, she got promoted. Is but Admiral still? works, yeah. You don't have to say okay. Vice. You can just say uh, Admiral. Uh, Admiral uh, April Airbear, but. Um, we're still going there, so I want to know all the information. Okay. Sharing it directly with Paul. <laughs> I mean, as um, the XO, you basically are getting in a live reports as to what's been taking place at Narendra Station. And because you're one of the Starfleet off uh, ships on the scene here in the sector, you are getting the live updates. So it's an easy, just quick, as the captain, the captain has been making the request to pull that up, XO, and you toss it over to Prawl. It slides up like you're sliding, you know, off of a data pad onto his console. A hologram begins to appear right in front of his tactical station, and he begins to like sit through it for a moment. And he stops and goes, I have the information here, Captain, if you'd like to see it. Sure, toss it over. To be honest with you, it's mostly gossip. Throws it up on the screen. You see, uh, you see a very fierce-looking Klingon woman with a fire in her eyes. It's underneath these thick brows. You see um, what comes up on the screen is Commander Bamir. Commander Bamir, and it would appear that she is the commander of a vessel called the Icaeus Borku. The house that she is a member of, Kavek, you've never heard of. It must be a smaller house or a house that's defunct, you're not sure. But you're not familiar with that one. It's not one of the major houses of, of the Klingon Empire. Um, I just remember enough, though, through and Greece 
and yes, hormone we... structures, and I can't put the context together. Why are those things associated in my brain? We've worked with her crew. That's why they're associated. When we were trying to help our Ferengi friend find his ship and his brother, we didn't actually meet the commander, just her, uh, just her bridge crew. A few of them, anyway. Oh, seems like they sure are something. She certainly is. The Borku is an interesting duck. That is a, what looks like, it looks like a cavort class bird of prey, but one of the things that's noted in the Starfleet file is it still has vectored wings, which is intrinsic only to earlier class Burrell class birds of prey. They didn't need to do that once they made the Burrell class the size of a cavort. Once it jumped scales, it was no longer necessary to vector the wings in order to appropriately navigate the energy distribution throughout the ship so that it could jump to warp. Now, all of a sudden, the disruptors are in a perfectly aligned position. So, cavort class birds of prey have planed wings. This one, however, apparently was the prototype for the cavort. And once it was discovered that vectored wings were not necessary, the ship was mothballed or given to one of the other houses. And the cavort, the new cavort class, the IKS cavort, was made. So, you're looking at a relic that's been re established in the Klingon Empire, a unique vessel onto its own. And probably, um, probably belonging to a minor house. But yes, it looks like she has a storied military career that served in the Dominion War, but not much else is known about her. Hmm. All right. Uh, I look to <clears throat> the ambassador. I look back to my ready room. I make a sort of like, uh, maybe at some point soon. This is interesting kind of face. Uh, and move forward to look over to Exio and uh, Yamanas me to see if there's anything else immediately other than, well, whoops, our plans. We go back to Narendra now. Exio, as you acknowledge, there's a an indicator takes place, you sense it the moment it happens, and you guys see on screen, in real time, a live correction to the data file you're looking at. Oh. <laughs> Commander becomes captain, right in front of you. Good for her. And then you lose the file. Yeah, Prawl makes the same expression. He raises his hands and looks over at you, Exio. Yes. Do I, I have a copy in my database? You have a copy of what you just saw? Yeah. But now that file is inaccessible. Classified or disappeared? It looks like it just re it looks like it was just given a security rating that's above you and the captain. I just give a very, very like I just slow turn to the captain and then slow turn to Prawl of like impressed face. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Prawl this just. Is a much more interesting story than I anticipated. <laughs> Prawl doesn't look like he fully understands what just happened and says, it's. 
I guess we just saw a promotion. Odd. Captain Gates, Council. Okay. You are 41 hours away from Narendra Station at warp seven. Anything on long range, Lieutenant? Roll. Checking now, Captain. Dun, dun, dun. New sensors are working beautifully, yep. right? Yay, great. Difficulty is zero. Great. Whoever, whoever would like to roll for the ship, please go ahead. Oh, beautiful. Um, and I'm going to use my sensors focus, so that's three successes, my friend. Okay. All right. We're at four momentum. And two more from oh, the Roth. Oh, then we are all the way up. Okay. Nothing is appearing on, nothing of significance is appearing on long range sensors. I will say that you do detect a gravimetric anomaly, which the sensors have gotten really good at picking up here in the Shackleton Expanse. It's an easy course correction for Varen just to make note of it and make sure that the Ross does not come in contact with it. Great. Um, but you know what? Let's, uh, let's collect some data on that as we fly by it. Um, okay. I think that, uh, you know, wherever Jane can get her her anomaly fix, she'll take it. And so, as we're heading back to Narendra, um, she'll uh, she'd just like to know a little bit more about that one. Um, but yeah, okay. she tells her captain that it's clear skies. <laughs> All right. Funny way to say it, but thank you, Lieutenant. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> and that was our episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Okay. Um, so with that momentum, I'm going to go ahead and, and put that rule into place where I'm not going to, if we do quick scene changes, I don't want to deduct momentum from you guys. So I'll just say like every few scene changes we'll do it since we're going to be jumping all over the ship today. Okay. But heading out at warp seven. Yes, you have a, you have a goodly amount of time. The Harvest Festival is scheduled to begin in two days. So you have time to make your trip back to Narendra. Yeah. What would you guys like to do in this, in, in this 41 hours of time that you have? Or would you like to just jump ahead? Uh, I want, I, I would like to just add a flavor um, that uh, Commander Exio asks Asmi Shanto if they would like to uh, rehearse with them after Alpha Shift. <laughs> okay, when you bring that up, when you bring that up to Asmi, the first thing she does is she immediately shoots a glance over at Lacat to see if she heard you. And and when the when she's convinced Lacat is too busy scanning that anomaly, she looks back at you and she goes, "How did you know?" Oh, I've been cast. I'm rehearsing with everyone on the sheet. Oh. Um. I don't know the parts, um, but I figured I know them all, so might as well start practicing. Yes, Commander. Good way to get comfortable. Okay. Great. Do you have a part you'd like to play? She starts to fidget with her earring. Um, the... Uh. No doubt something that 
her family yelled at her for doing when she was growing up. She kind of fidgets with it for a second and just says, um, uh, I asked for something small and I got uh, someone called Snug the Joiner. Wonderful. Well, let's um, go. Okay. She just runs her hands through her hair and just tries to act casual as she walks past the cat and moves towards the turbo lift. The two of you step inside. What's that? All right. Yeah. Another time? No, this is good. This is good. This is a good time. This is a really good time. Was it inappropriate for me to ask you while we were still on the bridge? Uh, there's nothing in regulation that says that it was inappropriate. I'm asking you personally, not oh. No, no, of course not. No. You just seemed very agitated the moment I brought it up. Oh, uh, nervous, just nervous. I'm About fine. the play? Yes. All right. Then let's shake those nerves, shall we? I commander. <laughs> if Olin is on the bridge at this moment, um, I think that you get like like Kat is definitely paying attention to that to that interaction uh, <laughs> from like heavy side eye. But um, I think Olin gets a like a like a burst of like confusion because Jane now thinks that there is something between Shanto and the commander, and that's where Jane's brain is. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. We're going to the Did I just, did I, oh, no. Okay. And so she's, she's having kind of an identity crisis now. Um, so anyway. that's Ellen is just going to make a note, just a note of that. It's fine. <laughs> you just get, like, a burst of, like, a confusion of just, like, have I been reading all the signs wrong? Um, anyway, here we are. <laughs> okay. This is gay panic if ever I've seen or heard of it. <laughs> um, okay. Down in main engineering, Dari wait, has been waiting patiently for one of the instants to finish talking to you. Serious business has been taking place, Chief, as oh. you guys have been monitoring uh, the warp core ever since ever since everything happened when you guys finished building that subspace that subspace relay mm -hmm. um you guys have been monitoring as always the warp cores the eps conduits until this campaign wraps i will constantly stress how much that puts on the crew to have to constantly monitor the uss ross's eps conduits we're dancing <laughs> eric we're dancing <laughs> right um, one of the instants clears out and instant Dari walks up to you and says, Sir, I'm sorry, can I speak to you for a moment? Sure, uh, just a second and I'll sit down on the pad that I was working on. Uh, what can I do for you? You can tell just by the way her Andorian antenna are stiffened that she is agitated. Oh, and oh. She just says, I need, I need your advice with something. Sure, happy to help, but do, we, do you want to get a drink at 10 forward or something or... No, I, I, not 10 Ford. I can't go there. They'll, they'll be there. The holodeck then? I, my shift should yeah. be ending soon. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Why don't you meet me on the holodeck? Okay. I, I just got some things to finish up here and, and I'll meet you right there. Which, which, which holodeck? Let's do holodeck one. I holodeck think that one. should be free. Okay. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. 
And you'll see Tech watches as she leaves, like leaves frame type of thing. Uh And Chief Tech to Dr. McCrell. I am muted. (laughs) Uh, I think you're muted. Yes, yes. (laughs) Could you meet Ensign Dari and myself in Holodeck 1? It seems like Ensign's going through something. Of course, I'll be right there. Thank you. Okay. Um, As you're saying this tech, you watch one of the other Ensigns walking past Dari glance up from her data pad and see Dari's expression and socially distance. Um, like, like she, like she saw the expression on the Andorian's face and decided to give her some space. <laughs> and, uh, what is the other, do I know the other person's name? The other ensign? The other ensign. I can come up with that for you because the Ox crew is kind enough to supply me with a whole host of names. Thank you. Yes, let's just pull this baby out. See, this is going to be do 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 do. This is going to be engineering. Sure thing. This is. Ah, this is Lieutenant Tuzak. Or, I'm sorry, Tuzk. T U Z K. Okay. Saurian. Computer system. Mm hmm. He, him? Uh, yes. Tusk. Great. Yep. I'll take a little mental note of that and uh, head over to Holodeck 1. Okay. A few minutes later, you show up at Holodeck 1 just as McCrell is showing up to Holodeck 1. And the two of you meet at about the same moment right in front of the doors of the Holodeck. You can hear the program is running inside. You can see the computer console indicating as much. Thank you for meeting me, Doctor. Um, I know that you're not the ship's counselor, but I think the commander has her digital hands full with the festival and everything. And I think, well, I think Ensendari is getting a little bit out of my experience. Uh, she seems to be having a lot of emotions that may be affecting her performance. And it might have to do with someone else in the engineering room as well. And I just, I'm not very good at dealing with that. I understand. You do not enjoy confrontation. That's a way to put that. Yeah, okay. So uh, she's going to meet us in there, and we were just going to get a drink. Great. Does she know that I am interrupting and also intruding on this? Oh, no, no. Uh, that's, that's a surprise. I was hoping you to be able to help me out with that part, too. I should ask that one first. Yes, because she might have invited you to speak with you alone. Mm-hmm. And I would hate to intrude on something a little more personal. Well, yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. Let me let me just go first and I'll go in. T- I will wait the here. Okay. <laughs> the door's open and you are greeted with an arboreal paradise waiting for you inside. What you yeah. see is a lush forest with a gentle fog resting just above the tall grass that is dewed. The trees themselves almost all look like willow trees, and there is an abundance of blossoming flowers found throughout all of the bushes that are all around you. As you step in, you are walking on these small wet stones that are just soaked with dew. 
the, the sound of your feet and the chirping sounds of distant animals all around you. It is paradise. Wow. And you hear an Andorian screaming, fuck this. Edson, it's Chief Tech. I'm coming in. Um, as you walk in, she rounds the corner. You see an angry looking Andorian wearing a toga holding a data pad huh? and just going, I don't know what half of these fucking words mean, sir. I think your universal translator may be a little on the fritz. I, I, the words that you're saying, it's a lot. Are, sorry. Is there a problem? Um, sorry, chief. Um, I just needed you see her eyes widen as she sees down the path with an open holodeck. <laughs> yeah. McCrell just kind of standing there and just, <laughs> and you wave and she slinks back towards the trees and goes, oh, why is she here? Oh, well, I invited the doctor to come along. I uh, just, well, you thought we were just getting a drink. I, I didn't know what's going on with the garden and the holodeck for a drink. Yeah, but what's with this energy? I am very uncomfortable with the, what you've brought into the holodeck at this moment. Why are we shouting? I'm just gonna, and then I'm gonna go, I'm going to go. <laughs> I think you need to- She peers out from behind a tree like she's naked and she's like, bye, thank you. <laughs> you look very nice in your toga. Oh my God. Well, you do. I what? asked you here because I wanted your help talking me out of doing this. T the toga? No. Because it's working, if you want my opinion. Have you heard about this stupid play they're doing on the promenade deck in a few days for the Bajoran Harvest Festival? Oh, sure, sure. I mean, we've been working real hard on the food. Did you know we're trying to get real stuff? We, we don't want any of the replicated things. For you, could you put me on your team to make the food? Well, like I mean, you really need me. You really need me on that. You really need me on this, Chief. The thing is, Ensign, you, you're kind of a terrible cook. But I'm, I'm great at telling you you're good. Sure, and I think you would be very good at that on stage in front I, of other people. I can't be the only one that got harassed into this. Oh, come on now. Think of it as something that's broadening your horizons. They like, bullied they had, Huh? They bullied me. They cornered me. They had a phaser. Anson, you don't strike me as someone who is easily bullied. People keep telling me that Shakespeare is this great human playwright. And how many versions of English are there? Oh, gee, Willikers, there are, gosh, so darn many. I mean, this look at ridiculous language I've ever seen in my life. How yeah. does a universal translator even understand what this is? There was a, a Bolian poet who was supposedly one of the greatest poets of all time, but spoke only in burp. Very hard to understand, but very artistic once you grasp the concept and fragrant. So you're going to be making food? Mm-hmm. Would you mind if I ran lines with you? Oh, sure. That 
let's just take a little look see at what you got here huh what part what part are you um I haven't been cast yet but I I, I wanted to read for Demetrius he seems like my type well here's the thing ensign worrying is suffering twice this thing is gonna happen whether you want it to or not if you're gonna worry about it you're just suffering the whole time but if it's gonna happen might as well have the best time you already picked a character that you like see all right <sighs> okay <clears throat> And the two of you begin to read Shakespeare. Also, just as a note, Tech is awful. He's terrible at reading lines and is terrible at speaking. <laughs> I, you know what I'm gonna do? This, this might be... Oh no. Hold on. I haven't had to pull up Dari's stats in ages. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hold on one sec. Ooh, 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 ooh. This would just be the worst thing to spend threat on. Pronunciation of best. Uh, spend threat on stage oh, fright. Shit. Oh, oh my god. Uh, okay. Is she a um, what's that? Is she a secret theater prodigy? <laughs> um. Ah. Um. She she is Kate Blanchett. She is she is like she is Judy Dench. She is like as she's reading these lines, she insists that she doesn't know what the hell she's reading, but her delivery and 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 reading of Demetrius is so committed. You're hearing this this human um that she is reading for just a complete bastard of a guy. Mm. And she just says, iambic pentameter, like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to come rather naturally to her. You're watching her. If she's if she doesn't understand what she's reading, she's either lying or she's amazing at faking it. But this is huh. coming naturally to her. And when she stops halfway through the sentence, she's like, why does he even want this dude's wife? Sh like, sh 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 getting this doesn't even make sense. Like, he's got a he's got a fine woman, like flirting with him and he's like I don't I don't this Ensign I'm gonna need you to keep going because I need to know what happens okay and this is fantastic so we're gonna need you to pick it up a little bit and keep going really yeah you're great I'm invested now if there's anyone on board this ship that knows chief tech and his propensity for not bullshitting people <laughs> to a fault. To a fault. <laughs> she notes the surprising lack of sarcasm and passive aggression in your voice. And you see this. Oh. Um, okay. Okay. <clears throat> um, we were on page 47. Uh, 47. Yeah, keep going. And we pull away as as she stands there in this paradise uh, reading off Shakespeare to you, and you're just listening to her, sometimes forgetting to, oh, look down at the oh, script yeah. and read back for her as she starts delivering Demetrius. 
Um, what is everyone else doing? Duty shift is starting to creep towards an end. Word is spreading throughout the ship that uh, the casting for Midsummer Night's Dream has been taking place. But that's not the only performance that will be happening at the festival on the promenade. Um, there's a lot of live music that's going to be played there, too. Um, word is also spreading that something happened on Narendra Station. No one knows what. Bridge crew's keeping its mouth shut. But it's known all throughout the ship that something has happened. What's up, Aki? Olin has something. Uh yeah, I think Olin's headed to the diplomatic suites because um, I think they have somebody they need to contact. Okay. And check in with. Okay. You establish the secure connection. Yeah. Are you calling your friend or are you calling an embassy? Mm, my friend. Okay. Secure connection comes online, and there's a waiting period. Like you're waiting for them to to answer the call. When finally you see the face of Sorex appear in front of you. It says, news does travel fast. It certainly does. But it appears everything more or less worked out for good. More or less. We're on our way to the station now. As expected. I don't know who the Klingons are going to have replace the general. No, I imagine it's a little bit too soon for that, even for someone as uh, thrifty with information as you. It's true. I have caught word, though, that the Klingon High Chancellor himself has taken an active interest in assigning the station its next general. That's good. From what yeah. I know of the Chancellor, he is extremely honorable and trustworthy. Martok is unique. He's not a fool. And he doesn't let people manipulate him. And he doesn't put his own personal glory ahead of the Empire. Gauron was more fun. I never had the chance to meet Gauron, but I heard a bit about him here and there. He was very interesting. Yes. What can I do for you, Ambassador? I mostly wanted to check to see everything was all right, but I also figured that if we were on our way to Narendra, I might as well know what's going on, see if there's anything I need to be prepared for. The only thing I would have to add to the situation is that reminder that just because Cargan is dead doesn't mean he doesn't still have allies on board Narendra Station. They've gone into hiding, no doubt, and might stay there for some time. It's probably why the Klingon High Chancellor is himself taking an active interest in this. Whoever he puts there is going to be his eyes on the ground. Martok will probably install someone of his personal inner circle. If Sila was making moves through the Shackleton Expanse, it means this place has an interest for her. 
probably not as a territory, but just as a way of moving things, if that makes any sense. Information, goods, it's the back door, as it were. He's going to make sure that doesn't happen ever again. He'll probably install somebody who's recently promoted to a general. He'll probably make sure that they have some kind of background in intelligence and probably someone who actually likes the Federation. Cargan had none of these things. He may not have been an ideal or even nice person to work with. And it's obvious that he had someone's interest in mind, mostly his own. But for the time that he served there, he did at least, for his part, try to uh, keep something resembling a balance in that place. I suppose. Fascinatingly enough, because he died in a duel, he retains his honor. The Klingons made sure that the Black Fleet was aware that he was coming. His name will be spared its disgrace, as it should be. His family will not suffer. I question that, but Martok is very interested in making sure that the Empire is united. This is her? not the same as, say, informing the Romulans to commit a surprise attack on the namesake colony of the station that you're headed towards right now. Mm. Not quite the same crime. Seems like his family will survive to, to see another day. How's Ambassador Pagino uh, responded to all of this? I have not gotten a make on him just yet, but... My initial instinct tells me that Pagina was surprised that Sila's reach had arrived at Narendra Station. Don't suppose she might still be floating around out there somewhere, do you? No. My instinct tells me that right now, with my father having returned to the, to the Empire, she has too many things to take care of back home to deal with Klingon politics any further. That is a relief to hear. For you, perhaps. I just happen to know there are certain things that are more difficult to let go of when they're in your backyard. That might be true. I receive updates from Romulus from time to time. Things are starting to look better back there. It would be a shame if Sila disturbed that. I don't know what power it is in my possession to help, but whatever I can do. Thank you, Ambassador. But I think I'm going to return many of the favors that you've given me since that day I put a gun to your head. Simply it is this. I'm teaching you the skill sets that I know to support you in your role as an ambassador. Trust me when I say, you don't want to get involved with any of this. Yes, I, uh... It was a little uncomfortable to receive that call from the Admiral, knowing full well what was going on and not having told anyone else. Good. 
one of the most dangerous things that can happen to you is how comfortable you can make yourself when it comes to lying. That's not the Federation way, if I remember correctly. Withholding information from my captain is not something I relish, no. You haven't told Azri yet? No, I, I think I plan to, if, if they ask. Mm. One of the things that I was trained at was creating profiles of people that I met, being able to understand what made them tick. I was almost as good as Exio, which is a compliment unto itself, since I don't have gigaquads of information at my disposal. I'll tell you this, though. The sooner you talk to your captain, the better it's going to be for you. I appreciate the advice and the guidance. Remember this, Olin. You're an ambassador to the Federation. You did your job. You used the ambassadorial channels. You did some political favors. You got the information you needed. I handled the rest. The Federation had no part in this, as far as I'm concerned. Cargan was corrupt. The Klingon Empire is grateful. This was a win-win for everyone. Sol is former intel. They'll understand. I certainly hope so. Me too. I'd hate to be getting rusty and being able to predict people. But it has been known to happen. Well, I'm sure I won't see you anytime soon, but I know you'll see me. Nonsense! I hear the USS Ross is headed back to Narendra Station. See you very soon. Oh, and out. Screen cuts out. Patience looks up at you, cocking her head to the left, noticing that the parental unit is distressed. I scratch behind her ears. Ready to go face the brass? She raises a paw, <laughs> like she's trying to understand what you're, what you're saying to her, and she just lowers it again. Uh, in a one more moment of delay, Olin opens their pad and like starts scrolling through Midsummer, um, and like, and then also kind of looks at the cast that has been decided so far, and then back at the parts that are are still available, and is kind of like flipping between the two. And they think they have a good idea of what part they want to read for, uh, but they're they're. Uh, they're just sort of scrolling through. Okay. Um, as Olin, oh, sorry. I'm so sorry, Rave. Did you have something? No, you go for it. Uh, I was saying as 
Olin is scrolling through in the Star Trek cutscene way. You cut to a different pad scrolling through um, medical files of everyone's name as I'm sitting at my desk with a cup of tea. And uh, you can see me like transferring a name to another pad as I transfer um, uh, Dari onto that pad because uh, McCarl hasn't been asked into the play yet and so she's making a list of all the names that she knows of people who've been asked and all the characters and so she's just waiting to be asked uh to be a part of the play but no one's asked yet so she's just waiting patiently with the two like looking to see how many parts are left and how many people she knows are in it uh, since you just saw Dari and Toga. the end <laughs> um, so actually Jane um is gonna be knocking on McCrell's door in just a second um if, if I can take a scene yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that uh, Jane, who is going through this, like, you know what? I'm just going to avoid the entire Harvest Festival. Um, and that's going to be my game plan. And, like, okay. I don't want to confront any of it. Has now considered maybe um, she, she's considered maybe taking a look at this play. And um, she's like, who would be good at, like, dramatic things and so of course mccrell is the first person that comes to mind for her and so she's not she so so you see her um approaching uh entering med the med bay and uh heading straight for you um mccrell oh look at yeah doctor um is everything all right yeah the things are fine all my vitals i I think all my vitals are good. Um, <laughs> you think? Do, you need, do I need to scan you? Like, I immediately get out a tricorder and like. No, no, I'm, check I'm, them. I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's, uh, it's just, uh, we're going back to Narendra. Who, who would have thought? Um, but under such circumstances, it's anyway. Um, it's a lot, yes. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, so you know plays. You seem like a person who would know plays. Yes, I like to escape into fantasies sometimes, and I like to read, even though it seems like sometimes my words do not seem as eloquent. I mean, I think that back when we were... Um, in Paradise City, you did a very convincing job of, uh, uh, of of stepping into the shoes of your character, and um, I I I don't know. I'm I'm. Are you are you going out for the Midsummer Night's play? Jane is like off, and then I just <laughs> I almost correct them and say dream, but don't. No. It's not worth it. <laughs> uh, I've been. I have not been asked yet to be a part of the cast, and I do not want to overstep my place with the people who are coordinating, but um, by all means, if you'd like to, have you been asked no, to be a part no, of it? Because no, I can help you. And like, I mean, thank God, because I'd probably say no, but I'm thinking like, maybe I should probably say yes. And like, I kind of want to go out for it right now, but like, I don't even know where to begin. And Midsummer Night's Dream, Sky? Th that was it. You had it right. Midsummer's Night Dream. Got it. Midsummer That's Night's the Dream. end. That was it. No more Mid words. 
got it. No more words. Um, it just, it, I, I'm thinking about auditioning and I need help. Technically, it's a Midsummer's Night's Dream. Sorry, that's not the right thing. No, um, see, see, already helping me. What, what is yes. it? I don't even know. Um, I think, I honestly look at, think that you would be wonderful because even though you like to, I would not say bury, but maybe sometimes diminish your outer emotions. I feel that you are a very passionate person. And believe it or not, sometimes theater can help you channel what you are trying to communicate on the inside to the outside. She like listens to that and absorbs that. And I think that uh, like after a second, you get like a, like a thank you. Um, and she seems lost in her thoughts for a second. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> Yes, you technically just did. Okay, so, um, well, then I'm going to ask you another one. So, yes. um, and, and I think that, like, you, she starts pacing, right? So I'm going to construct a hypothetical situation here for you that I need you to answer, I think, in just, like, the most, un, like, with, with a scientist's eye. Dr. McCrell, from scientist to scientist, like, I need, I just need an objective view here. Um mm. Well, and I'm like, and she, and you see her grab uh, for another cup of tea because she thinks this is going to be a two cupper. <laughs> Time to double fist some tea. <laughs> oh, you have someone who is extremely confident in everything that they do. Brilliant, intelligent, beautiful. Like it Thank just, you. Every yes, I think that you actually fill all these categories. But we're talking about a hypothetical person here, right? Yes, now. of course. Of um, course. so you've got you've got this person, right? Who just like confidence, right? Like they want to like defend cases in the future, right? And just like you know, go up against an entire courtroom, right? So like, why would that person ask someone else to help with rehearsal? Can we just? step back for a second and like, well, why would that person ask someone else? Ask someone else in... Just just like help them out with something that they are clearly already so good in. Well, if you're talking about someone who would possibly be in the play, perhaps they are very confident in themselves, but not as confident in playing someone else to where when you have to embody someone different you do not want to be embarrassed in front of others or maybe they would like to perfect their skill before presenting it in front of someone that they also think is confident and perfect and Jane just like kind of squints at you with that like Cardassian stare and is like, or they're looking for an excuse to spend more time with the other person. That is also a very good assumption. But if this oh, other yeah. person- Say that like you see her face kind of fall like, yeah. But she if that other person is also already cast in this production, then perhaps it was a common sense of rehearsing together, since they will also be castmates, hmm? 
And if they did not ask someone else, it was because that someone else was not a part of that production? You're right. Are we talking about oh. you? <laughs> Clearly the only thing to do is to enter the play and win them over. Show them I'm better. Duh. Duh. It's the Cardassian way. Um, Okay. I don't think that your motivation behind joining the play is quite as healthy, but I do agree this with you joining the production. Where I feel like... Mm. Motivation aside, I feel like you would be wonderful in the production. And if by chance you do go and ask to be cast, maybe put in a good word for me and let them know that I am also- Oh no, we're doing this together. I can't do this alone. Oh, I, <laughs> I chug my tea. <laughs> <laughs> you down the rest of that yeah. tea. <laughs> uh, LeCat, I would be honored to go and help you join this production as well as myself. I also as moral support to help you, of course. I also need you to tell me what the whole play is about because I have not read it. It is about lovers and mischief and magic. Who are the lovers? Pardon? Who In the play, who are the lovers? There is Hermia, who is the beautiful woman that both men are in love with. Okay. Lysander, who is in love with her and engaged. Demetrius, no, not engaged. Demetrius, who loves her and wants to be engaged. She okay. runs off with Lysander. Helena is in love with Demetrius, chases after, and then a lot of mischief and magic happen. Now both mean Lysander and Demetrius fall in love with Helena. Hermia is left to be sad. Then Helena thinks it's all a joke. Hermia, Helena, they fight. Demetrius, and you see, and I'm gonna go through the whole play. He's gonna go and the while play. this is happening, there's another play being rehearsed in the forest, and the man turns into an ass. And, you see, and we'll get really excited about this. <laughs> um, who who are you gonna go for? The so, ass. It, it, no, it, no, not the ass. Sorry, oh, sorry. I guess. Oh, no, it, it no, is I, it is worth noticing noting that both the universal translator and the full scope of knowledge to the cat. You're not the cat. Let me ask you. Yeah. Do you think the cat would be aware that ass is another? term used for a burrow or donkey? Um, uh, well, LeCat spent a few years on Earth, but like, I would say no, otherwise. So what LeCat hears is that someone turns into the posterior end of a yes. biological life form at some point during this play. A very hairy ass. What? That's what he turns into, and and, but the magic and mischief that they cause the other men to fall in love with the Helena makes the fairy queen fall in love with this hairy ass and she pets him and loves him. It's very bizarre, but it's beautiful play about love and lovers and all happens in one Midsummer's Night. That's why it's called Midsummer Night Sky. No, but very close. We'll, you know what? I, and I, I'm gonna link arms with the cat. I shall tell you the, it more detail on the way, and we shall pick you apart. Is there a villain? Mm, not really a villain per se. More like a mischievous essence. Okay. Of, that causes yeah, all of the about that one. chaos. And that's what you hear as like <laughs> <laughs> the two of you leave. I love that the cat. The cat's 
Lacat's anxiety relationship gay panic is turning Lacat into a very wholesome member of the Obsidian Order. Into a thespian! <laughs> into a thespian! Okay? <laughs> I must manipulate my way into this plane. <laughs> I mean, it's just, there's just such a pinky in the brain vibe here. Just like, in order to take over the world, we must infiltrate. We must become okay. a hairy ass. <laughs> become part of the play. I will do it if it is what's necessary. <laughs> uh, Sol, where are you right now? Uh, ten forward with a cup of whatever it is, Solon. It gives me because Steeler's Choice, they know better than I do, and a copy of Midsummer Night's Dream, which I haven't read since I was in school. Okay. Um, as Solon sets the cup down in front of you, you hear not Solon's voice say, mm, good book. What are you reading? What are you reading? What are you reading? And snatches the data pad away from you. In front of you, with long, gorgeous, flowing black hair in this deep emerald green royal blue silk-like concoction with the long flowing sleeves again solon always enjoying the kimono look that sort of refined but also modernized uh 24th century version just fits them so well their slender form the the person that's wearing it however has every feature of Solon's except for the face of Q, who's staring at you, looking at this data pad going, oh, Shakespeare. Never understood what humans saw in this one. Okay. So many other great playwrights in the universe. I'm told most of Shakespeare's better than the original Klingon. I've heard that too. What? Well, you don't know. No, I don't spend my time reading. I spend most of my time managing the universe. <laughs> Lesser life form stuff I leave to you. You can give me a summary and have it on my desk by tomorrow if you like. Mm, yes. I definitely don't do think of managerial roles as the higher orders. Mm. I'm aware of the irony. Zip. Would you like to see something? Absolutely. You are standing on the surface of an asteroid. You don't recognize where you are. Q is standing next to you in a red Starfleet uniform. Before you, Sol, you see this surface of the asteroid seems to span out in front of you. It is not small. You're looking at a horizon. The asteroid probably maybe 15 or 16 kilometers in diameter. So quite large where you're standing right now. A small planetoid, really. This asteroid uh, is giving you a hell of a view. But what's remarkable is in front of you, lining the top of this asteroid, you see multiple little green life forms surviving in the zero G of space. There's about 70 or 80 of them, and they're all locked onto a rock. They're glowing with this bioluminescence, this greenish glow that's pulsing in the dark of space. And Q says, look familiar. You ejected one of these creatures from your warp core just after you left their space dock some time ago. They're multiplying here on an asteroid after they find nutrients in the rock face. Isn't that extraordinary? It is. 
My goodness. It's amazing uh, what can happen I, when I you actually stars, see if I can recognize a constellation, maybe. You're looking like, around. This... So you, you don't recognize anything off the top of your head as you're glancing around at the stars, but you get the impression this is probably the area in which you beamed Dill onto an asteroid before departing. Oh, that's terrific. <laughs> so you're in the Alpha Quadrant somewhere right now. Um, you know, I appreciate the follow-up. I bet you're great on dates. Goodness. Time to get real with you. Oh, good. I was worried. I've always wanted to tell you, Captain Azaristal, that I've appreciated the effort you put into trying to act not impressed. It takes a lot of the pressure off of me as a Q. There are so many performative aspects that go into dealing with lesser life forms, but I'm one of the few Q that actually believe that humanity, the Federation, Orions, all of you <laughs> creatures that are flying about the galaxy looking at things are actually quite necessary and delightful. And we're so happy here on the USS Ross to deal with lesser life forms ourselves. Thank you so much for visiting repeatedly, despite your lack of empathy with other creatures in the galaxy. There's no need to thank me. Oh, but, uh, but since we are on the subject of me, yeah. it is worth bringing up that we are coming to an end to our association. And I thought I might give you a bit of a report on how well you did. Mm. Oh, it's not uh, optional, but you can offer your opinion all the same if you like. Oh, no, I was just trying to game it out in my own head first. You know, you do the self-evaluation, you compare it, and you, you see. Mm. Go on. You were evaluating. Please. He moves over and almost causes, like, <gasps> as he jumps up on the rock that these creatures are on, barely missing some of them threatening to crush a few of them under his foot as he pivots around like a dancer and comes to a stop standing on top, agilely avoiding all of them, and just says, these creatures come from the mycelial network, the very thing that you discovered recently. Huh. You set them loose here in the galaxy. Interesting decision. But more importantly, you've helped the Continuum discover where it was that Exio's technology originated from. We couldn't see it. We're not used to that. See, the multiverse is complicated, and the continuum, well, we're infinite. But the truth of the matter is, is infinity has this strange way of, well, being infinite. And when you're trying to manage an entire universe, sometimes the continuum needs to look in a multitude of directions. As a result, um, sometimes every now and then, every few hundred and fifty billion years or so, something gets past us. I mean, if we could have stopped it, the Big Bang would have not happened this time around, believe me. But since we're here, I can go ahead and tell you that you're back on track. The delay that was caused by the sabotage brought to the USS Ross was intended to deliberately put you off the trail. You see, your friends in the time shenanigans department, or whatever it is you Federation like to call your temporal departments, 
They were trying to understand who was trying to stop the Ross from reaching the Shackleton Expanse, but not completely. In fact, it was a delaying action to keep the Ross from reaching the Shackleton Expanse at the appointed time. And this tied in with multitude of things. Someone was trying to stop the Ross from being there when the Crystalline Entity was born. Someone was trying to stop the Ross from intervening in the Romulan Civil War that was starting to brew, that could have broken out. Someone was trying to stop the Ross from uncovering the plots in the Shackleton Expanse. But now you've done all of this. You've managed to do it, and in the time frame that originally history recorded you doing it in. So things are back to normal again. And there's no indication that time shenanigans will be happening once more. Perhaps you have someone to thank for that. Who knows? Just a few loose ends, though. Ixio. What are we going to do about your commander? You see, she's made from technology that technically doesn't belong here at this time. It might require some intervention. I really want to see how long you're going to continue that face. Mm-hmm. I'm infinite, Captain. You'd I'm be dust by the time I was tired of it. Hmm. You don't have an attention span that long. Don't be ridiculous. Anyway, no, are you planning on intervening or are you just going to make high-pitched noises about it? I had planned on making high-pitched noises about it and seeing how you intervened with it. You see, the Continuum wants me to dust Exio. Mm. And reverse the timeline altogether. It'll be like none of you ever met. And the woman that created Exio will be dealt with in due time. But here's my pitch. I don't think that's the way to go about this. You see, the entire process of trying to write things, well, all of that good hard work put in by both you and your lower life forms and um, me would all be going to waste. And besides, the timeline's been righted and things are moving forward and there's so many other universes out there. I mean, let this one have its fun, for God's sake, right? Well... That's what I've managed to convince the Continuum thus far. And they've agreed on one condition. When the time comes, you are going to have to confront Redgrave. She's more than what she seems, and she's not playing by the rules. And bringing Exio into existence breaks the rules. And while we're willing to look the other way for now, The truth of the matter is, is history is about to catch up with the Federation, and some of the decisions it's made about artificial life is going to come to light. Exio could play a role that could change the course of the way we know things, the way we've known things to happen. There are things that are supposed to happen in the next 10 to 15 years in the Federation, Captain, that might turn out quite differently now because of the existence of Commander Exio. And this may not necessarily be a bad thing. I mean, things can get quite exciting when you don't know what happens next. I can tell you as somebody who sees time all at once, it's a relief. But it might require some sacrifice on your part. There might be a dark day for you on the horizon. And I'm here to ensure that you understand what's at stake when you have to make a decision, Captain. More than just Exio's life might be at stake. It could be your existence. 
but don't you have a Bajoran festival to get to? What are we doing here on this asteroid? Am I right? He hops down off the rock and strides up to you and says, I like you, Captain, and this has been fun. And I look forward to seeing you all one last time. And for what it's worth, all goofiness aside, I'm sorry that I have to give you this news. Thank you. And I do appreciate your help. You're very useful, and I... A directive from the continuum. Sometimes we have to make ourselves useful. Uh, you'll have to tell me that, and I just touch the peps. Mm -hmm. Hierarchies, right? Enjoy your festival, Captain. You're sitting in 10 forward. Solon brings you your drink and sets it down. Are you all right, Cap? Nice commander. Thank you. And moves away, leaving you to yourself for a moment. All right. We will be back in 10 minutes. Go grab a drink, use the restroom. We'll see you in 10 minutes. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, everybody, to Clear Skies. Uh, before we jump back into the break, I just wanted to break some news that just came out uh, over Twitter. Um, if you all haven't heard, it happened about 45 minutes ago. But um, General Chuck Yeager, the first person to ever break the sound barrier, has passed away. And we just wanted to take a moment and acknowledge that in the contributions that General Yeager made to aviation. It's important, of course, to science and to, uh, and to like the history of exploration and taking risks and doing some crazy shit in the name of humanity. Um, so uh, passed away, um, lived well into his 90s. So we just wanted to go ahead and, and just take a moment and acknowledge that and uh, acknowledge his contribution to exploration and having the guts to do some pretty wild shit in order to advance human aviation. So uh, Chuck Yeager has passed away. So thank you, sir, for everything. Um, 97 years old. I hope I live that long. Goodness. Um, that being said, I also wanted to invite Ox Crew, who's watching the episode tonight, to stick around. We're going to be wrapping up a little bit earlier tonight, around 930. Um, we have received a letter from Ox Crew, and we want to take some time at the end of the episode to read it and acknowledge it. Usually in the old days at Geek and Sundry, we would all be gathered around and popping open presents and chatting with y'all about this time of year. So because of the way things are working now, we're doing it a little bit differently, but we're not breaking the tradition. So we invite you guys to stick around and hang out and chill with us for the last 30 minutes of the episode as we wrap up a little early tonight. Um, that being said, Let's go ahead and jump back in to tonight's finale of Clear Skies. Finale just until next year. We're not ending. I'm just saying. Anybody in chat freaking out? Because sometimes you say that stuff and they're like, wait, what? And you're like, no, no, no. We're good. So where would we like to start off? Because we have a lot of things in the air. And as we're coming back, oh, you know what? I know what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to fade into, after our commercial break, Clear Skies comes back, the USS Ross arriving at Narendra Station. Coming out of warp, Starbase 
is right ahead of you. You see Vryn acknowledging that Starbase has uh, locked on and acknowledged the signal. And as you are approaching Starbase 364, Captain, you can see that there are two Klingon cruisers currently docked at the station. One of them is a Kavort class, and one of them is a Vorcha class Klingon warship. And as you approach the station, about the same time you see it is when you get it on sensors, Lacat. There is a Negvar class warship on the other side of the station. The Negvar class is one of the latest classes of starships of the Klingon Empire. And it is the ship of the Klingon High Chancellor. Negvar is a huge ship. This is the biggest ship in the Klingon military. It is it is a floating fortress of firepower. It saw a lot of action in the Klingon's Dominion War, and it is currently in the middle of being produced at a regular rate. So this one, it's, it's rare to see them, but they are slowly replacing the Vorcha. This is the Klingon's answer to like the galaxy-class scale vessels. What's the look on Ren's face right now? What's that? What's the look on Ren's face when he sees that? Yeah, so Vren just mutters the word, and he's looking at this just awestruck. And as you look over at him, Vryn starts whispering everything he knows about it. <laughs> just starts talking about its hull plating. It's it's the what the things that it has accomplished. Essentially, mm-hmm. like goes into some of the details. Points out that it draws so much power, so much power. Um, and notices that you're looking at him. And just says, oh, it might be weird right now. Not at all. I, that's a huge ship. Yeah, that ship is, that ship is an assault class. That is, that is just, uh, that is amazing. That's the IKS Negvar. That is an amazing vessel. Good thing the war's over, huh? Yeah. That's the ship that attacked DS9. Um, among, yeah. among other things. Jane's just looking at this thing. It's like kind of like intimidating. She's kind of into it. But, yeah, uh, I mean, you're looking at the flagship of the Klingon fleet, essentially. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It is quite large. I would say it's, it's comparable in scale to the Ross. And Captain, you can see it clearly as well up on the screen as you're approaching. And yeah. you, it, 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 definitely, it definitely signals that the Chancellor of the Klingon Empire is here. I think the moment Olin sees that ship, they look over at the Captain and they go, I think we should have that talk. Uh, 20 minutes till docking, Captain. Uh, Vryn gives you the heads up as you move into your ready room. Keep an eye on her for me. Hi, Captain. Crawl like, that won't be hard, will it? Yeah, he's just staring at it like, oh my god, this ship is amazing. This is amazing. <laughs> All right. The two of you enter your ready room. 
Can I get you something to drink? What can I do for you? Um, Earl Grey Hot will work just fine. Thank you. Yeah. I do that. I'll do the same. Sure, why not? Okay. Do you recall the conversation we had on the holodeck? Yes. I know that things took us away from your original intent to uncover what was going on. And as you can see from what we are, what we were told by Vice Admiral, it looks to have been taken care of. It was Sorex. And I helped him. What exactly did you do? Well, on his own merit, he figured out something was up. He'd had the opportunity to speak with Ambassador Pagino, and Ambassador Pagino raised some red flags for him, so he started looking into things. And that is how he discovered that there was issues with General Cargan and Ambassador Jahl and all of the other stuff that we were more or less told about. Right. He works in intelligence. He didn't stop working in intelligence, just differently, I suppose. But again, you. He called me into a private meeting on the, uh, oh, gosh, sorry, my brain's farting, um, mm. in the um, uh, ship dock, shipping bay uh, of the uh, of the station, and essentially told me that he was taking your job from you. And I offered him what information I had, told him what was being asked of you, and he decided to take it on himself. After which he supplied me with sensitive information regarding General Cargan that I then forwarded to Starfleet Intelligence. Well done. You don't seem happy. I wasn't sure at the time that I'd done the right thing. To be honest, I didn't know what I was supposed to do at all, if anything. But I figured at the very least, Starfleet Intelligence should know what was going on, even if there wasn't anything they could or should do about it. Quite correct. And yet, I still don't seem happy. As a general rule, I understand that there are plenty of things that are well within my purview to do without your permission or with your knowing, as long as it doesn't endanger the people on this ship. But I had to weigh whether or not this did. Because it involved Sela, and for a time Sela was here in the Shackleton Expanse, it could very well have been something that we were supposed to know about, or at least two. But there was also the part of me, while I was dealing with all of this, that was going, 
it's not Sol's business anymore. And they don't need to know about it. At least in terms of a intelligence point of view. Trying were you trying to protect me all along? I was. Any actionable intelligence that the Ross needs to know at this point? Other than what's come through in the official reports? As far as I know, Sila is no longer in the Shackleton Expanse, which means that for now she's out of our hair. Everything that happened with the IK Borg, who I think more or less is not really under our jurisdiction, so we don't need to worry about that. That being said, it wouldn't necessarily be a bad idea for us to um, make friends with the crew in a more substantial way than we've really had the opportunity to. If we ever see them again, if the rest of the crew go the way of their captain... I doubt we'll see hide or hair of them. The cloaking device does make it a little bit more difficult, doesn't it? Yes. I, I don't think there's anything in particular that we needed to do about this, which I guess is the other reason why I felt more okay with sending it off without really telling you about it than making you aware. At the same time, it it didn't sit right with me, and I didn't know how you would react to it. And not really in my nature to keep you out of the loop on things if I don't have to. And you thought you had to to protect me. Olin just sips their tea. does the same. You're a diplomat. Some of the things you do have nothing to do with me. Even if they are in our same region of space. I am not part of the diplomacy corps. Am I going to be a nosy former intelligence officer who wants to know everything that's going on in the Shackleton Expanse? Yes, you know the answer to that question perfectly well. But at the end of the day, you serve a semi-independent office within this ship and have your own affairs and your own judgment. Take whatever it is you felt from this and let it guide your judgment moving forward. Nothing went wrong. So. Except for General Cargan. Lots of things went wrong with him. And they won't be anymore. Will they? Indeed, they won't. Captain Vemir. Shame we didn't get the chance to meet her at all. Space is big, but. Sometimes it's very small. Is there anything else, Ambassador? I just wanted to make sure you knew what was going on before we went on the station. 
appreciate it. We're all right. Of course. We don't get many conversations like this, Captain. Well, you rarely go behind my back doing intelligence work and not even include me. I can't say that it's something I would like to make a habit of. So they're trying to talk me into Theseus. <laughs> Typecasting. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that's I think the the sort of sort of Valche conversation as we go back onto the bridge. When you enter onto the bridge again, Vren is in the middle of just inundating Lacat with statistics about the IKS Negvar, <gasps> and you're actually learning a thing or two. <laughs> yeah, Lacat's loving it. Like I think that like. This is what Ren loves, and I think that yeah. she's like, yeah, I'm gonna let you like indulge in this week's like you listen to my science stuff when I talk about relief for three hours. Um, Here's what you learn. Yeah, the IKS Nekvar is scale six. It is the size of the USS Ross. Oh boy! It has twenty ship-mounted disruptor cannons. It has one large forward disruptor cannon, and it has count them four torpedo launchers <laughs> this this vessel as Vryn is talking to you about it he is emphasizing that the negvar is an absurdity in in warfare it's <laughs> they they probably built it with the romulans and the dominions in mind and <laughs> the dominion in mind it's a giant battering ram in space um and you come out as you're hearing Vryn just like, he's, he's not speaking about the ship like he would a fine-tuned machine that he admires. He's more of just like, he's almost got a twinge of what the hell were they think? Like that is the most Klingon of Klingon vessels that has ever Klingoned in the skies. <laughs> How many warp cords does it have? Oh, I, I, oh. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like they, it's only got one, huh? It's only got one. Only got one. Only got one warp core. Four freaking torpedoes, though, huh? Four yeah. torpedoes. That's four torp launchers. That's um. <laughs> the the few happens at the same time for both of us. <laughs> yeah, the two are like. Whew. Lots, lots of, lots of bang bang on that ship. Yeah, pew pew. Yes. Wow. Um, you all, uh, Vryn stiffens suddenly and says, oh, Captain, we are receiving orders. Initiating oh. tractor beam. We're getting into docking procedures now with an station, activating maneuvering thrusters. Excellent. You can also see in space, it's a crowded day at Narendra Station. You can see still in space dock and undergoing repairs is the USS Thunderchild. Um, and that's coming along. It looks like a lot of work crews have gone to work repairing and replacing that nacelle. But her hull looks fine now. Ship shape. Hmm. But the nacelle still needs a lot of work, it looks like. So they're in the midst of repairing that. I'll go over to uh, Exio very quickly. Put the ring 
on the armrest. I'll see you around the station. I'm just going to go and swing by Medbay so very quickly before we disembark. Yes, Captain. Okay. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. We cut to Medbay. Okay, cool. Let's just go right there. Why is everyone coming to Med Bay? No one is sick. <laughs> I do not understand. Someone once said, always go to Med Bay. So we, we, we yeah, we always say, go see the doctor. Go see, go the, see the doctor. doctor. Now no, everyone's going to counseling and the doctor. It's nice. <laughs> the doors of the Med Bay open, and as you enter, you see uh, crew members of the Ross that are currently going about their duties here in the Med Bay, but they stand at attention as the captain enters the Med Bay. As he were. Doctor, do you have a moment? I do. Always for you, Captain. Pull her away from staff just a little bit. Okay. Are you planning on getting arrested on this one, too? No, Captain. That was uh, an unfortunate incident that will not happen again. We've served together for a few months now. Yes. I've been very patient. Dr. McCrell, what's in the tea? (laughs) 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 The blood! (laughs) McCrell Um, stares at you. (laughs) It is an old recipe, Captain. With dye repelli leaves and a, a special mix uh, that my father passed down to me. An old family tradition. It is an acquired taste and would probably give you a headache. Do you know how many beverages humanoids consume that do that sort of thing? Yes, but most of those I cannot have. Cations, unfortunately, are allergic to alcohol. It's not so unfortunate if you see some of the decisions humans make on it. Yes, I usually have to take care of them after. Is it purely sentimental value or does it have some kind of pharmacological effect? If you're going to commit crimes over it, I need to know more about it. But Captain, I did not commit a crime. I was not arrested. I will back you to the station about that at any point if necessary, but... I need to know. Yes, Captain, but again, I was not arrested. They told me to leave and I did. I did not go back into You're the evading. store. evading. Pardon? You're evading. I want no, to know. Captain. And I'm Captain. <laughs> <laughs> They're pulling the pips. <laughs> yes, I see your pips are glowing. Um, the tea is special to me, Captain, and necessary. Understood. If you get arrested, comes me directly this time. A good one. I'll see you on the station. I will not get arrested, Captain, but thank you. When Saul leaves... Is there, there's a finality to it, but is there an air of irritation as well? 
not irritation, but I, I detect I detect subtle. And, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Sam. Mm-hmm. But I detect a hidden warning in Saul's departure. Hidden? Uh, okay, there was nothing right. hidden about that. You're Come not on gonna now. T- no, you're not going to tell me. Okay. It's your ass if something happens. <laughs> and if you're if you're doing something on the ship that's going to get that's that's a problem, and you're not telling me when I've given you the opportunity to tell me, it's your ass. Is kind of what I get from Saul as they walk out of the med bay. I told them ex- it is. You don't have to explain to the GM. Necessary. You don't have to explain it to me. I'm just look, Eric. Myself. What do you want from me, GM? GM is not on anybody's side. I'm watching this from afar. I'm Q here, and uh, and uh, that's that is the that is the the hint that McCrell gets from Saul as they leave the uh, med bay. I have a lot of different social foci. Some of them are persuasion. Some of them are intimidation, which is at play in a given scene, is uh, the purview of the interpreter. Death of the author and all that. Were you going to roll on that? To see if... Will you, are you going we to try to... We want to both take an opposed role and just do sort it. of see what we've I'm got. I'm going to call for an opposed role. For it. Let's do it. I'm like call for an opposed role. And also, I, I just don't get to use determination that often. I'm a social, let's go, kiddo. And I don't get to use complicated, I don't get to use threat. <laughs> I don't like this at all. I, never, I haven't sent um, a single point of threat this entire game. Oh, damn it. Okay, uh, I would also, maybe I will burn a value too. Because <laughs> what, what, could, what could be the worst thing that could happen? I flub the play? Okay. Wouldn't you like to know? Oh, yeah, no. so I'm sending there's always something beneath the surface, and I think that's okay fair straightforward here uh am i rolling on the insight side uh or the presence side um you're rolling on insight and mccrell is rolling on presence oh no yeah really you're sure i'm not trying to control it, it's emotion? better for you. Like, if I'd been rolling on presence, I'd have added an extra die and we'd all be in trouble. Yeah, but I'm saying I'm rolling presence, which is bad for me. Presence and what? You have plenty of momentum for extra die if needed. Oh, I'm taking one. Presence and security? Because I'm trying to secure my brain? No, no, this is presence <laughs> command. You've got to be kidding. That's nope. an eight for me total. Okay, good luck. <laughs> I will take a momentum. You're trying to lie to the captain in a I'm not lying. Oh, oh, wait. I would like to be perfectly clear that I nothing I said was a lie. I did not get arrested. The medicine is made with dirapelli leaves. It is a it is a mix that my father passed down to me. It is necessary and also special to me. Okay. And none but of that Bonnie, was a lie. But Bonnie? Yes. Are you telling the captain the whole truth right now? There is nothing more to say. Um, I would so, like to bring value. So you're trying to deceive the captain, and so you're going to roll presence and command. And I would like to a lie yeah. by omission is still a lie. Great. So um, I would like to use the value. Let me know if this works. Uh, control the fire. Don't feed the flames. So I'm not. I'm trying to not. <laughs> that oh, is a value. Poetically, that applies here. <laughs> I'm using it. Oh, that's yep. great. And that is happening. I am spending four threat to Whoa! jump supplication range. <laughs> and I took momentum. Okay, okay, okay. 
So I got four successes, which is not bad considering no, the that's a really eight. good roll. Yeah. Only 16s or higher? No, I rolled a 13 and a okay. nine. Which, is, that with you, is that with you adding your determination? Yeah, so I rolled two successes with my determination, and then I, did, I had a natural crit and a nine and a 13. Four successes. And I have a feeling the captain beat me because that smug face on. I mean, yeah, there's only so long I can hold the poker face. I got seven. I'm no. sorry. I have three, a four, a 13. And the determination. Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, so what does so that we're mean? Pull up on momentum again is the point here. So what do I do? Do I throw my tea in your face? What happens? What's going on? Oh, oh and God. I have studious. Wow, geez, I can ask lots of questions. Uh -oh. Yeah. Oh man. Um. Okay. <clears throat> All right. I'm looking at my talent. So, as we I go have, into this, as I we have cat-like reflexes, and I run away. <laughs> <laughs> As we go into this, I, I, I just, uh, <clears throat> this is one of those rare moments where technically this is PVP. And it's a rare moment where we are approaching character narrative and, and uh, backstory that Bonnie, as a player, may or may not be willing or ready to reveal as part of her character story. How it, and Sam, uh, just for the audience information though, we all totally down for that. Like respecting that boundary is all part of the game experience, not a problem. However, there's also the side of this where Sam's character, Azri Sull, has a nose for discovering shit that they don't, you know, that people are trying to hide from them. So we're gonna play a balancing act here because right now, Sull has detected that McCrell is deliberately being evasive is not telling them the truth and is hiding something that by not telling the truth specifically is relates to the legality of what they are doing. McCrell is hiding something from Sull that has greater implications and is doing so in a way that it, it to you, Sull, it reads as as you are essentially on the absolute right track in your suspicions. Uh, my cat is very upset about this, by the way. You can hear him in the background. <laughs> he, is, he, is, he is very distraught. I feel like we should cut the scene and move on um, for Yappa's sake. <laughs> so, so here's the question. Since we decided to do that role, okay. I'm down for saying the scene has not ended yet and that Saul has insight checked you and the two of you are staring at each other for the moment. Or we can say that that is Sol reading back over the situation as it just occurred as they have left the sick bay and has taken that read with them. Uh, I think I'll take it with me. I do. Uh, so here's my pitch. I would like to ask uh, one or two studious questions with sort of like option on maybe a peremptory strike. On one, I mean, it's yeah. It what would you? Too hard, Bonnie. No, uh, but like, are you going to ask me like as a player a question that you want information about? Basically, like, or, or, like as McCrell or as me with information? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm considering the scene as played. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah. But, ask uh, when McCrell says that it's necessary, what? In what sense of necessary do I get that vibe? Like medically necessary or psychologically necessary? 
Like what? you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. I get under that word in particular because that pinged them pretty hard. You sense that it's something um, that personally inhibits something inside her that she needs to control. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So maybe kind of a combo of both. Yeah. Yeah. Both like, yeah, it, it does something to her physically as well. Uh, psychologically, she, sorry, our cat is very excited that we're talking. Understandable. I'm also curious <laughs> when I get to talk to you. Uh, we don't get to do nearly often enough. Uh, and just give me an overall emotional vibe check of this scene. Like, actually someone, like, usually people are more polite about this, or Krell mm-hmm. is more evasive. Actually being pinned and confronted with the notion of talking about it. What is McCrell's emotional reaction? Anxiety, anger, You've, like, what's going on there? You feel that she um, is still calm in a sense, but you feel like a small feeling of maybe fear, but not fear that she's, like, scared of you or scared of, like, the scenario, but more fearful as if as if you would take it away from her, what that would, ha- what that would mean for her well-being. Like if you discovered something that allowed her not to drink it anymore, what that would entail in the end. So a little bit of, like a little bit of fear and anxiety, but at the same time, calm, which could also help. Cool. So uh, that is Sol's read reflecting on the conversation as they make their way down to uh, transporter. Great, I'm gonna go back to reading my script. (laughs) (laughs) all right beaming over who is beaming over to narendra station all right so the command staff and olin so you all walk in chief saying nods to all of you you all take up onto the transporter pad moments later you materialize on narendra station um for a station that was in lockdown about an two days ago. It's looking quite normal here, except for there is a large contingent of Klingons, larger than normal. And a lot of them are wearing the badge of the House of Martok on bandoliers as they're walking around. As you all have materialized on the pad, the first thing that happens is you notice that Ambassador Jal is standing there waiting for all of your arrival. And when you arrive, he throws his arms open and goes, Olin! Olin, Olin, Olin! And he moves over and immediately throws his arms around you in a mildly painful tight hug and then pulls you back and shakes you a little bit and says, ha ha ha, Captain Saul, yes. I heard that you were still the captain of that big ship of yours. Good to see you again. Yes, my exo hasn't managed to oust me in combat just yet. Well, you should get on that. You have the tactical advantage. There you go. Here's your strength. Oust me already. What have you been doing here, Axia? Well, I'm more agile, Captain, but you are much taller than I am. Mm. So as long as I have the reach on you, I retain the command. Unfortunately. Don't let me keep you here on the transporter pad. Come, 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 come. You seem to be in high spirits, Ambassador Jaw. Oh, yes. I don't know if you heard, but there's a certain bastard who was killed recently. (laughs) Oh... 
I'll never have to smell him again. Hmm. New things to smell. This way. Intrigue abounds, they say. He brings his girth through the front doors of the transporter station's door. As it slides open, he steps out and says, As you can see, we're quite the place now. Uh, looking around, you can see we have the Chancellor visiting us today. Although he'll be leaving soon, our new general has arrived, and he is quite the character. I'm looking forward to introducing you to him. Uh, they're in Admiral April Hebert's quarters now. He sent me to greet you. Uh, follow me. Follow me. Um, as you're walking through the station, uh, you see one of the things that's probably delighting Ambassador Jahl is that he is uh, he is getting the respect of an ambassador of the House of Martok. Since he is a nobility in the House of Martok, you see... <laughs> You see all lining the walls here are, I mean, it's filled with the House of Bartok. All of these people that are here are acknowledging his station. <laughs> Something that doesn't necessarily happen with all the other members of the, house, the Klingon houses. Um, you all arrive and as you are led into Admiral April Hebert's quarters uh, into the office, it goes, you see it open up. As you all enter the room, he throws open his arms and says, they're here, they're here, they're here. Time to fill you in. Uh, this, uh, everyone, is Captain Azri Sol. This is Commander, the famous Commander Exio. And of course, my good friend, the Ambassador Olin Marginil of Delta. Uh, <clears throat> uh, allow me to introduce you to and he swings his hands open, and the first person he swings his hand open to, you see a very stern very handsome but very serious looking Klingon with a bandolier over him and says, this is Worf of the House of Martok, uh, and this here is uh, Kolar, your new general, who is going to be heading the new station staff. And of course, my honor to present to you, Chancellor Martok, um, the crew of the USS Ross. It's an honor. It is good to meet you. Worf just nods to you. Um, the Owen is much more calm and collected than I am right now. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> um, the Klingon standing next to the ambassador, who is the general, is about to speak when uh, General Martok steps forward and says, Ah, Captain Azari Sol. Uh, it's good to meet you. And he sticks his hands out. The general is every bit as much of a legendary figure as you've seen. Of course, um, known for his time in the Dominion War, being one of the most charismatic Klingons to ever take the seat of chancellor. He has been a visionary, and even though he's been a bit divisive for the more traditional elements of the Klingon Empire because of his overtures for peace, he has given the warrior caste a lot to be happy about. Um, you, of course, see that signature wound on the side of his face um, that he bears proudly from the Dominion War. And when he steps forward and presents his hand to you, he greets you the way a Federation member might be greeted, with a stern handshake. He says, I heard they were letting Orions be captains now. It's about time. <laughs> this one. We'll sneak more of us in soon. We're conniving little bastards. Uh -huh. You certainly have a way of speaking forwardly, Captain. And you, Commander Exio. 
And he leans forward with his good eye and stares at you for a moment and says, hmm. Well, I wouldn't be able to tell if you were a hologram either way, but it's a pleasure to meet you. And he extends his hand. I suppose that's a good thing. Suppose correctly, then. May I introduce to you your new general station commander? As the middle Klingon steps forward, he could be described as a mountain of a Klingon, standing at a good six feet, six inches tall. He is built like- No choice of words, Eric. Tank. <laughs> he is built like a tank and uh, has a lot of the decorations uh, to show that he is clearly someone who has done quite well for himself in the Klingon Defense Force. As he steps forward, you see this thick mane of wavy hair that cascades down the side of his face and this great beard in front of him. He has a very powerful looking like ridge that just goes up into the back of that hairy mane. And he looks down at you, Captain, and says, Captain Sol, Kolar, General. General, it's an honor to meet you. I look forward to working with you. And you, and Commander Exio. And Ambassador Olin Marjuniu, are you stationed here on Narendra? I'm actually stationed aboard the USS Ross. When we are stationed here for whatever repairs we need, I you will find me in the embassy. Very well. If there is nothing more for this ceremony, I would like to see my new station. Duty, duty, duty. <laughs> and Martok pats him on the shoulder and says, Come, let us have, let us leave this room to the Starfleet officers to discuss things that do not interest us. Worf pauses again and says, It was nice to meet you. And the three of them beeline out of the room without further ceremony. As they leave, you see sitting there this whole time is Vice Admiral Hebert flanked by Sivek, uh, and she just has this look on her face like when they leave, she watches them leave and, and he just moves out the door, the door closes and Bear looks at you and says I swear Worf is the only Klingon I have ever met that knows you can use your inside voice when you're in an office. He's absolutely magnificent. Sivek <laughs> quirks an eyebrow and the Admiral looks at you. <clears throat> Make sure to put that in your logs, Ambassador. That's going to be our new general. I'm afraid I dragged you all the way back out to Narendra Station for a five-minute meeting, Captain. Not you much for sure. What's the measure of the man? All I know about General Kolar is that he is something of a war hero from the Dominion War. Hmm. He's... The Klingons certainly racked up their share of them during the Dominion War. But Kolar himself fought alongside Federation forces and even rescued one of the science teams that was cornered by some of the Dominion invaders on one of our worlds. He was part of the liberation of Beta Zed as well. Such as decorated war hero 
might be why it seems like he wasn't terribly happy to be placed out here. I had that concern too, but the Chancellor tells me that shouldn't be a worry. I, I've never heard of Kolar before, but the General apparently was handpicked by Worf. And there's no one that the Chancellor trusts more. So, Worf's, Worf's experience in the Federation makes him ideal, and I was kind of hoping he would be our pick, but something tells me Worf is probably getting his, probably getting his kicks among his own people for once. He certainly deserves it, and it sounds like this Kolar fellow has a lot of history as a liaison with the Federation as well. Sounds like it. Hopefully you'll work well together. How are you all doing since you're here? Please take a seat. Let's let's catch up for a moment. Yes. You can't you all came out here. What's um what's <laughs> what's new with you? And when she says that, Sivik says, Cap, come in or, or, Sivik turns to the Admiral and says, Admiral, if the conversation has moved into irrelevancy, I would like permission to be dismissed. Get out of here. So What's new on the Ross, Captain? How was your trip? Cybek leaves the room. I look to Olin just very quickly, mm-hmm. cognizant of newsworthy items that have happened here, and turn back to the Admiral. So the Ross is putting on a play. A play? Yes. Really? What play? A Midsummer Night's Dream. Shakespeare. Well, that's one of his most popular. We're a cultured ship. What can I say? I believe we're short of Hippolyta, but it's coming along very nicely. May I make a presence convince roll? I want to do it. You look <laughs> at her narrowing eyes. <laughs> yes, make a presence convince. <laughs> Make a command presence check. Okay. I'm spending a momentum. I want an admiral in our play for funsies. Okay. And that one. And that one. Uh, That's four for me. She got four. Um, Tiger's active. Hey, yo. She looks at you for a moment and says, you're asking me to be in the play? It would be an honor to our ship. It's accompanied by a delightful harvest festival. That's right, it's that time of year, isn't it? Oh, it's so many calendars to keep track of when you're the head of a station. Such is Federation life. Quite a few of us are going out for parts. I'll do it on one condition, Captain. Yes, Admiral. Well, two conditions. Has to be a small part. I don't have time to learn lines at the moment. And I'll come up with the second one later. Yes, sir. I'll get you your sides in an hour. All right. Anything else? 
That's the biggest of the business aboard the USS Ross right now. I mean, we'd rather heard treachery and intrigue about over here. I confess we're relying on you for our news. Oh, Q visited us, but you know, these things happen. A member of the Continuum visited the Ross? Mm, yes. He does that from time to time. This won't ha be happening very much more, though, so that's a relief. Hey, have you... I'm sorry. A member of the Continuum has been visiting you? Have you reported this to Starfleet Command? In, in my regular reports and briefings, but... Have they said anything? Why am I only just now hearing about this? I, I, um, I want a full report from you. That's my second condition. I want to know everything, every conversation you've had. Done. Boy, you, you don't leave with the big stuff, do you, Saul? Well, I rather thought that was me entering any room. She leans back and just says, a member of the Continuum took interest in the USS Ross. That's, that has not happened since Deep Space Nine had contact with, well, Q. Voyager had a few visits, I heard. I should add- We don't talk about that. Well then. Sure. <laughs> All right. I think, uh, both Olin and Exio, just given your passive insights, will uh, notice me cut my eyes to Exio at least once or twice over the course of this conversation, just subconsciously. Okay. Yeah, she sees. Because yeah. I don't, kn I I don't know that much about these meetings other than they sometimes happen. Correct. And this is literally yeah. the first time Olin is hearing about it. So hey. yeah. Um. Voyager did mention a few moments of contact, one in particular about a Q who wanted to commit suicide. A disturbing report, and one unique to the continuum that... Mm, they, are, they are a difficult topic to discuss. I'm pleased that the Ross and that you, Captain, are doing all right. It, does this Q, has this Q taken a particular interest in you? Not as such, I don't think. I'm hardly the most interesting person on the ship. What, I'm sorry, I have to press you on this. What was the nature of the Q's visit? In fact, to take me to the showboat, an asteroid showed us some the creature that was once in our warp core. Apparently it's multiplying. Also the first Exio and Olin of hearing of this. <laughs> this news setting in. Uh-huh. The... I'm just going to have to read your report, I think. I'll debrief you about this at another time. Absolutely. What is the what is the slightly deeper dig on emotion happen uh, from from Sol happening here? 
Well, kind of around the room. You're getting you're getting amazement, like like the, the admiral is flabbergasted, just completely and dumbfounded, because the continuum only takes interest in captains that are playing a huge role in the direction of the Federation. Is what people have discovered that points of destiny across the map in history is where Q appears, and so this has kind of shifted how she sees Saul. And you can sense that, Olin. She's gazing at Saul and the two of you right now with just, oh my God, like wide eyes. And and it's a little overwhelming to her. I don't know what Saul is feeling or what Exio is feeling right now. I'll let them tell you. Um, Exio is being an, uh, a very um, dutiful commander and is not showing anything on their face. They are they they have the air that they are listening to this not for the first time because of how shocked um, the admiral is be is um, at this news. And so you see a just pleasant, quiet smirk on Exio's face. But you would feel a spike when Saul says that they are not the most interesting person on the ship and and where Q took them. Um, you feel a spike of extreme concern. <laughs> okay. All right, Exio is a concern. <laughs> It's not an alien we've had the chance to come across yet, but mm, anyways, uh, and uh, <laughs> ah, thank you. I was hoping yeah, somebody fine. would. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> uh, so, Sol, I think what would be noticeable to Olin, especially after uh, all of these months of working together, is that you can get more and less from them. It's never a lot but I think you'd notice just how hard they're clamping down on their clerics, like keeping themselves together and doing that very Orion thing of all never being plucked, like completely together and controlled about everything, no matter how the little- Basically the complete of opposite of the last time something like this happened. Yeah, I mean, but they feel the need to really have their persona on and to correctly project all of the emotions that they intend in the right way. From this, I think Olin could deduce that there's something missing here. <laughs> like I'm not being inundated with feels I can't do anything about, something's up, okay, cool. <laughs> right, the very absence of evidence, like why is Saul trying so hard mm -hmm. uh, to just like, be so carefree about this and be so selective. There. Plenty, plenty of uh, nibbles for y'all. Abear cuts into this and just says, all right, you just got here and I don't want to grill you anymore. I'm really interested in that read, but if I'm going to be in a play, I need to start learning my parts. So go do your business. Enjoy the little time off that you have. And I'm giving the Ross a 24-hour shore leave in order to do this festival of yours. And in the meantime... Please don't agitate my first officer. 
and you you get this you it occurs to you captain that she's kind of lightheartedly poking mhm and she has the bars and i don't so yeah. i smile it's, and say yes sir it's the brass she she is doing a friendly poke Mm-hmm. Like it's it it is a it is the gentlest of reprimands, yeah. Um, and that's all she says with a smile on her face. Mm-hmm. And then she just says, "All right, get out of here. Go enjoy yourselves. I'll see you in a few hours. Welcome yes, back sir. to Narendra." Thank you. Head on out. All right, the three of you leave the office just this in time. Is- by the way, uh, across the station way, you can see. Um, Worf and Martok uh, nearing the transporter pad and having a conversation with uh, General Kolar and his guard. Can you spell Kolar for us? Yes, it would be Q-O-L-A-R. Thank you. Okay, good. I got it mm-hmm. right in my notes. I just wanted to check. Uh, yep. I'm going to throw a shoe at you, Sam. <laughs> I deserve it. I'm a yep. stinker. I don't know that Ravity ha- uh, has the context here. We we'll have to explain it to her afterwards. Mm. Uh, no context needed. What context? There's no context relevant here. Yeah, so mm. uh, we leave. Olin casts a very longing gaze towards the uh, towards Worf, and then asks the computer to tell them the location of the first officer of the Thunderchild. <laughs> uh, the first officer of the Thunderchild is currently on board the USS Thunderchild. Cool. Then I am going to go see about getting permission to visit the first officer aboard the Thunderchild. Okay. You I don't have... need a scene or anything. I just, I just want that's that's yeah. what Owen's up to. Just doing a check in. Yep. Um, okay. If there's I... nothing else, I'd be are we doing this? I stand very stiffly next to the captain, and when they move somewhere, I remain the same proximity, mm-hmm. staring at them. Mm-hmm. So it would seem Dill is a problem? Ah. Uh-huh. And there's an emphasis on Dill, <laughs> obviously. Well... It turns out Dill is from the Mycelial Network and was introduced here, which is not Dill's origin. And some might be concerned about whether or not Dill ought to be here, but I have no such doubts. And it was lovely to see Dill and their compatriots flourish. And the conversation with Q. Mm -hmm. Did he have a recommendation of what to do with this misplaced creature? Apparently, the continuum is a place of discord at times, but I spent time with felt the same way I do. Wow, there are so many. This will be the. How many times have we rolled insight command this game? 
I'm happy would to you, go for it if you want to now, either way. That's up to Gina. I will not, um, I am not coding my words. Uh, you can roll, but I am not contesting. Well, this, this is mostly for Exio to try to find out if the captain is not telling them everything. I think Exio can read Sol like a book, and Sol is not lying. Sol is just mindful of there being uh, spies on the station. Like, they're talking in coded words for the sake yeah. of other ears, not for the commander. Anything you can pick up, you can pick up. Like, at and this point... Yeah, we just I had a whole say, conversation in a meeting so, with another person. We got so it. We can we can absolutely say that that's what's taking place here. Yeah, yeah. So you're credited with whatever you want. I will not contest anything unless I explicitly am like I am doing a lie. Sure. Yeah, and, and, and likewise. Like, yeah, I was uh, imagining that this was coded language for others. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and to uh, make it clear to you or audience. Um, Re replace the word dill with yeah. Exio. Yes. <laughs> Obviously. Absolutely. Um, great. So, um, so it appears we have a cue possibly on our side to protect dill. The best place to have a cue as far as I can tell. You certainly don't want them behind you. They'll I confess I have not met someone you know and then they'll spook you. No, I just sort of was imagining you being spooked. Can't picture it, really. Good. Was there anything else that he said about the origins of Dill? That at some point... Dill's origins might need to be confronted, dealt with. And those that released Dill, what of their fate? That's apparently to be determined. And choices will be made. And Dill will be protected at all costs. Because I don't do anything for Dill. Very cute little life form. Then I wish the little bugger good luck. Shall we get a drink, Captain? Please. So. Some hours pass. People get settled in on the station. And we're going to go ahead and move the scenes forward to our Harvest Festival taking place on board the USS Ross on its famed deck that has become known as the Promenade Deck. Bajoran Harvest Festival used with the holographic technology that can be found inside that that promenade deck has become a small slice of Bajor on the USS Ross, meaning you are seeing beautiful, like, simulations of sunbeams shining down on the holographic trees that are causing these dappled paths to form all across the promenade. It is a, a very beautiful, like, forest-like environment and perfect for a Midsummer Night's Dream. 
There is a small amphitheater that has sort of kind of been erected around one of the more open spots near the M the embassy. And uh, <laughs> what everyone learns upon arriving into the promenade deck, including the uh, including the command staff, is that it looks like this is going to be as much of a stage reading performance as it actually is going to be a full play. When you arrive, Exio, you see, you see Vexless spot you, the Saurian sees you and strides up to you quickly and just, Commander, um, uh, we, we have an hour or so. Um, here is the data pad. Have you seen the ambassador? Oh, I believe they have an appointment on Narendra. Why, do you need them? Oh, um, yes, but uh, this is okay for the moment. I, I just need to understand. Um, what are you I, talking about? Well, I haven't cast anybody yet. Well, I'm, I'm assuming you're holding auditions. Well, the play happens in um, two hours and 10 minutes. So I, I can assure you most of the crew that I have seen have already been rehearsing for the parts that they wish to play. Really? Yes. Oh, good. Good. Um, good. That's very good. And it'll be a stage reading slash yes, performance. Yes, have the scripts in hand. It shouldn't be too troublesome. Right, right. You're right, of course. I, I should... Yes. Yes, of course. You're right. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> Nerves. I've. Um, I. 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 I heard. I heard. Um, Vexless leans forward, and the Saurian whispers to you. I, I heard that Admiral April Ebear is actually going to be in the play. The Vice Admiral is going to be in the play. Yes, and you get to direct them. What a position of power! Relish in it. Yes. Uh, I'll do that. Yes. We are playing actors. We are not your command staff when we are on stage. And so yes. Of course. <clears throat> it's um strange dynamic, but you're you're absolutely right and I will You're telling me, Ensign. And yet I chose to be in, in this play. I'm very excited. <sighs> the whole crew is excited. The nerves on this ship have been palpable. And that usually comes from excitement. You're right, you're right, you're right. Oh, um, Lieutenant Nadra Badim wanted to see you when you had a moment, uh, as well as Ensign Alex Nazumi, if you have a moment. Of They're course. They're the ones organizing the entire event. Uh, the, right this way, and Vexilus leads you over as everyone begins to slowly assemble on the on the promenade deck. It is a little chaotic as everyone is starting to assemble on the deck. Everyone's enjoying the live music, the food, the festivities. You're seeing Ox crew once again having a moment of enjoying themselves, but it's different than it was on Narendra Station. They're on the Ross right now, gathered on the promenade deck. This is not like seeing a homecoming. This is seeing everybody at home enjoying themselves. Um, Ox crew is milling about, reflecting over the past few months of journeys that the Ross has undergone. I mean, people join Starfleet because you never know what's going to happen when you fly out to deep space assignments. And you can hear a lot of the Ox crew talking to each other. This 
journey thus far has not disappointed. <laughs> um, topic of conversation comes up to the reappearance of the Tholians, the sight of a Romulan warbird that could firewall cloaked and so on and so forth. These time travelers that were uh, sabotaging the photon array, like everything has happened. Um, the, and then of course, the irritation of installing a whole new sensor system and how proud they are, how good it works, even if it failed a couple of times. Um, <clears throat> all this discussion happening, the Ox crew basically sharing in its pride for getting the USS Ross to where she is right now, as they damn well should, for they are responsible for doing so. Um, the parts for the play are being handed out rather haphazardly. And as command staff and everybody arrives, um, LaCat, Olin, Tech, everybody, every, Tech is kind of behind the scenes organizing the food, all this Bajoran food. And Tech, it is a juggle. Let me tell you, you are juggling plates here. I will say <laughs> a lot of people. We've set in the Bajoran style, we've set up like food stalls along the way and we're making real hasbrat. It's not replicated. Yeah. And so wow. there's like these grilled vegan burritos that seem to be being created along these stands. Nice. Yum. Like Hasbrat might be my favorite fictional food that has ever been created. Mm -hmm. I want one. I want to try one. I want to know what they taste like. I <laughs> want to try Rappuccino. Literally oh, yeah. the opposite oh. side of the galaxy. So this is such a gift, particularly to our Bajoran. Yeah. This is the literally hardest place to get this. Yes. Bajor is really on the other side, uh, beyond the other side of the quadrant. Um, look at and anybody who is going to be in the play. Okay. As you gather around, everyone, one by one, you're getting a glimpse of who is going to be in this play. Everyone seemed to be mostly under the assumption that there was going to be auditions. Everyone's learning now as they're showing up that the crew is being really nice and being like, do you want to play this? Do you want to play it? Like everyone's sort of like, who, who do you want to play? And then like handing it out. At that particular moment, as everyone is having this, Lakat, as you've gathered, you see in this crowd, you you see Shanto holding a data pad and hasn't really noticed. She's just like reading, she looks so intent on reading her lines right now. Just going. But that's not what draws everyone else's attention is the collective gasp when all of a sudden you hear, Admiral on deck. Oh my God. And everybody everybody stops and stands at attention stepping onto the deck you see vice admiral april Abair flanked by commander cybeck <clears throat> and she just oh, goes oh what's wrong don't do that, don't right do that. everybody at ease i'm here for the festivities everyone immediately eases as she approaches the crowd and you kind of all begin to realize oh god she's walking up to us yeah, yeah what's going Olin's immediately looking at Prawl. Prawl, Prawl, who has been sitting about 15 feet away from all of this, watching with a drink in his hand, glances oh. over at Cybek and just hmm. goes back to his drink. Doesn't say anything. But you feel feelings. There are feelings there. Um. I go up and I greet the Admiral and sort of tank the interacting with the Admiral thing uh, for my crew, hand off uh, her part and all that good stuff. She raises her hand to you, Saul, and says, excuse me, I'm not Admiral April Hebert, I'm 
fairy number three. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Sivik just quirks an eyebrow and nods to her. And she looks over at him and says, go enjoy yourself or meditate, Sivek. Do something to ease yourself. I shall attempt to do so, Admiral. And he nods to you respectfully, Captain, and approaches one of the food vendors. Did I ever tell you about that time you almost arrested me? Hasperet coming right up. Here we go. <laughs> Eat him up, Sivek. <laughs> you start serving him food and says, I seem to recall this incident, yes. Oh, good. I trust you are obeying the law today? Every letter. This food looks quite satisfactory. I'll take that. Takes the plate of food and nods to you. <gasps> <laughs> um, what is everybody else doing? Specifically, this is the moment where I want you all to tell me who you're playing. You go, uh, you go first, Ravity. No, no, you go first. Ah, okay. <laughs> all right, so Olin walks up. Um, I don't suppose anyone has taken Oberon yet. Uh, I'll say that I am helping um, Ensign uh, Vexless uh, do this because of they're, they're very uncomfortable since the Admiral mm -hmm. has walked on the, uh, uh, <laughs> into the promenade. Um, and just, no, no, uh, Olin, they, no one has yet. In fact, not many people have stepped forward yet. Well, thank I you. will take Oberon then. Okay, Oberon it is. Excellent choice, the, yes. What's up? All right, Lacat. Yeah, so I would say that. So Lacat, um, you know, sees Shanto standing there, like looking through her um, data pad. And I think there's almost like a motion to move towards her. And then it like kind of sets in on like Lacat that she's like in fictionalized Bajor right now. And like it, there is, there's, uh, it is the harvest festival for like the Bajorans. And it just like, Lots of feelings, lots of feelings about youth and the fact that she, like, she has never been more aware of like her own Cardassianness. So she's gonna like she like takes a few steps forward, like looks at Chanteau, who is like brow furrowed, like looking down her dear pad, like takes a mental visual of like this moment and like how pretty she looks, and then she's just gonna turn around and go the other way and get her part, and she's gonna scroll up the list like put her finger down on a part and it's going to land on Puck. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as I walk, hands your script data pad. Oh, thank you. I'm going to go learn lines and she's going to beeline towards where Prawl is uh, standing because she knows Prawl's not going to bother her if she doesn't bother Prawl and she's just going to go over her lines. And you sit down next to Prawl and Prawl looks at you and says, Who'd you pick? Uh, some guy named Puck. Who'd you pick? Holds up a data pad and says, Peter Quince. I have no idea what that means. Do you want to run lines? Yeah. Hey, uh, also before I forget, I'd like to set up a meeting with you after all this is over. Uh, just 
I have something that I think I found that might be strange. What anyway, nothing. Peter Quince. And later, Jane will show him the coin that she found. Oh, yeah. He's looking at you like... I mean, we can either run lines or we could talk about your ex. Which would you rather do? Jesus. Not my ex. Fair. Still you get out. mean when someone corners you. You know that? <laughs> you could hear that through Bonnie's mic. Yeah, you could. <laughs> That's exactly what I was reacting to. Um, yeah. I I do. I think you do too. I think that's yeah. long. It's true, I do. So do you actually want to use your words to talk to your girlfriend over there? Or are you gonna to try to win her over in a play? Oh no, absolutely not. We're gonna win her over in a play. Good luck. You chose Puck. And you're about to find out what that means. <laughs> You've read Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, It's, I did, sorry, there's a delay, so sometimes I, okay. No, so you're good. I, as I walk over to Exio to get my part, I stop by the captain and go, uh, Captain, I sent you a private message that you can feel free to read later. And uh, I'm going to go to Exio <laughs> and um, Dr. pick Mikhail. up. Dr. Hello, Exio. Have? I would like to be the ass. Mmm. Bottom it is. Here you go. Thank you very much. Um, and as I go sit, and I'm gonna just find a seat next to La Cat and and uh, Prawl, and as I as I look at um, La Cat really quick, I'm gonna glance over and seeing the glances that she was doing with our. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna go as I'm reading my lines. Methinks, La Cat, you should have little reason for that, and yet, to say the truth, reason and love keep little company together nowadays. And then I'm just gonna get up and go practice my lines other places. Okay. Does she just want to run that one line with us? She looks at Prawl. <sighs> that it was a brilliant moment. Mm. Uh, Saul will uh, walk up, put the little uh, prop crown for Theseus on their head, just did a bit of a jump. Because it uh, amuses them to play absolutely the square authority figure. Just the fool of a king. Uh, and they'll grab their lines. The I'll go stuff in the corner. Side by side with a private message. As this is all happening, there is a brief moment where activity comes to a stop as Solon steps forward as Hippolyta. And Solon is in full Amazonian garb with a cut off top and uh, just like this faux leopard skin, like, like skirt draping down, spears off to the side and hair pulled all the way up into a top ponytail, looking something like a Grecian goddess <laughs> as they were, but they just come striding in. And everyone stops and begins to applaud as they stride forward and they just give a bow. You will note that Solon's appearance does get a look from Commander Sivek. 
a quirked eyebrow as Cyvek watches a Vulcan <laughs> enter the room in full garb. And they stride across their hands open and says, oh, I haven't done Shakespeare in so long, but oh, there's no killing in this one. I love a good death scene. There's so much fun to overact. But I suppose I can be someone's arm candy for the evening. And that arm candy looks over at you and sees, notices who's playing the husband and says, you have conquered me. And they put their arm through your arm link, Captain. Uh, we will uh, away to practice. Okay. Have, um, our, have our Vulcan twins emerged for this? Um, no, the Vulcan twins are doing exactly what the Vulcan twins would do during a festival. They're live streaming it while they work. So smart. Right I didn't realize just how much of an introvert heaven uh, Star Trek could be, but I'm so happy now. Yep, they're just watching it on the internal sensors. Yep, okay, <laughs> now I know what I would do on a starship. There we go. <laughs> I'll have to ask Jody and Jackson if that's acceptable, but something tells me that's exactly. That's logical. <laughs> Jackson's Jackson's character needs to be near the internal sensor array so that when when Exio performs, he can observe everything and actually read all the body language that this marvelous thing that this this marvelous performance is is unfolding in front of him. I mean, um, Exio is the future, after all. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll 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 have my final button. Um, Exio has realized it's much closer to curtain, um, has, is now dressed appropriately as Helena, as awesome. this was what Vex, uh, Vexless asked for. Um, and to unintentionally fuel fire, uh, will walk up to Asmi Shanto to hand them their part as snug um, and reassure them that just channel your nervous energy. Snug is also very afraid to speak their lines in the play. I um I took a second role. I'm also cobweb, so oh. I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna do everything I can. Wonderful, shine on, and I hand them both data pa uh, data pads and then um saunter off. <laughs> she takes a deep breath and makes sure that everything's fastened and checks her costume and just says, "You got this, Shanto." And Happy harvest! <laughs> I shout from across the, the thing as I'm walking away. So the play unfolds. The applause as the lights dim, as the artificial light comes into play. Um, the sunlight, the dimming of the lights around the promenade itself, a hush falls across Ox Crew as hundreds and hundreds of members of Ox Crew watch their command staff, the Admiralty, and various members of the Ox Crew um, basically begin to perform Shakespeare. Who you plays Alexander and Hermia? Um, we're gonna say that uh, Lieutenant Nadra Badim, they actually decided to play Hermia. Um, or no, let's actually say, let's say Nadra, no, I'm gonna say Nadra's gonna be the one putting on the play. They're directing this along with uh, Vexless. Ooh, actually, let's say Vexless is playing Hermia. Can we say, like, just because it goes against type so lovely and, and wonderfully, can Vren be Lysander? Vren? 
Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Ren is Lysander. Okay, Ren is Lysander. I'll give it to you. <laughs> if you spin two momentum, I will make it. <laughs> All right, so Ren will be Lysander. Um, Ensign Alex Nozumi is also in, in the play and is, um, we'll say, is one of the hard-handed men. Lieutenant Pyra Callum of the House Korath, who is a Trill Betazoid medic and a member of our Ox crew, is actually managing the stage production as well as coordinating some of the <laughs> some of the effects that are happening with the holographic projectors. And then there's Lieutenant Jalaran, who's also science and who is getting a thrill at watching her commanding officer play Puck right now on stage. What's that? Titania, who's opposite Oberon. Who wants to be Titania? Because we're we're running out of Ox crew. Really? There's For there's no yeah. Ox crew list. Sing! Oh my God! Yes. Ooh! I get to play opposite of Sing. I'm here for it. I'll do it. Oh yeah! Let's have Sing be Titania. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. I love Thanks it. For letting me fill out this cast, I wanted to know. Yay! Yeah. We all did. Our this is our fan casting people. nonsense, like yeah. for just ever. I'm just here um, for all the fun gender bending. It's the best. Lots of it. I mean, just, this you is just Shakespeare, right? Well, and snout. Everybody, the play begins to unfold in front of everybody, and there's a lot of laughs as people mess up lines. There's a lot of nerves at the top. But the misreads and then the mistakes that happen cause all of the performers on stage to begin to relax. You all begin to see moments of vulnerability from everyone on stage. People laughing with each other, at each other. Um, people like forcing through the lines. Lacat, you begin to realize you picked a pretty big part. <laughs> you begin, you begin to realize you're in almost every scene. No, Lacat realized like, oh fuck, and you she my life. <laughs> However, Lacat and those of you who whose characters are, are reading this play for the first time, you find yourselves giggling through a lot of the lines, and the innuendo is thick. And the mischief, the mischievousness is heavy, and the attitudes and the fake fighting, and watching, watching your command staff have fights between Demetrius and Lysander and Hermia and Helena during the famous four-person scene when, when Hermia and Helena look like they're about to tear each other's hair out, and everything is unfolding. The Ox crew becomes a family of laughter all throughout the promenade deck as for a moment underneath the stars of the Shackleton Expanse, this ancient play about love and companionship and the stupidity of miscommunication and the foolishness of what it is to be mortal unfolds before everybody over the next hour and a half. You all perform a Midsummer Night's Dream in the park, as it were, aboard the, U aboard the USS Ross. And you find in the final moments of this production, the spotlight dims and focuses on one Jane LeCat who begins to read the final lines of the play. And as LeCat begins to, as the lines begin to come out of your mouth, LeCat, and as you're reading Puck's words, there's this whimsy to everything that you've just experienced, this, this, this letting go of all the seriousness and anxiety for this, for the past hour and a half, all of you have enjoyed each other's company with abandon. 
the anxieties that you may have had about Chanteau has melted away. And everyone has just had these moments where you've enjoyed seeing the smiles. To see Captain Azari Saul laughing, almost breathless at some of the mistakes and goofy moments. Even Admiral April Hebert has a few moments where she can't get the line out that she has. She has a single line that's basically, yes, yes. She repeats over and over like a chorus. And she flubs the first yes, which leads to a small giggle in the audience, which leads her to start laughing, which leads to a roar of applause for the Admiral. And eventually the Admiral beats and says, Yes, and another round of applause as the Admiral gets out the second line and she takes a very dramatic bow. Even Cyvek off to the side is just... It's a night of magic as the Bajoran Harvest Festival unfolds. And as the final lines leave your mouth and the lights go out, there is this roaring applause from Ox Crew as they celebrate not only your performance, but each other in this Harvest Festival moment. The lights come back up for a, a bow from every member of the crew. And as the lights come back up, Sol, from across the promenade deck, you see standing at the far end of this promenade over by the turbo lift is General Kolar, who apparently has been watching from afar this whole time. And as the lights rise on the promenade deck, everyone starts hugging and cheering and bringing people flowers and complimenting each other. And running up to you, Lacat, is Shanto, who forgets herself. Yeah, and it causes a few looks for those who weren't aware. As Shanto full on rushes up, and embraces you. Yeah, Jane like full on like picks her up and like whirls her around. And she picks her feet up and, and, and as the two of you embrace. Oh, buddy, we're doing more than embracing. <laughs> as the two of you lock lips and kiss passionately. Yeah. It is a moment that no one would have thought possible as this Cardassian and Bajoran at this harvest festival who have fallen in love embrace each other here at this final moment of the evening. The Bajorans that are on hand, including the very one that threw this, Lieutenant Nadra Badim, cannot shake the significance of the moment. And they try very hard not to be too obvious, but eventually you hear some of the Bajorans begin to hum a love song that's usually heard at ceremonies. And as Shanto pulls away from you for a second, she goes, oh, prophets. And she realizes everyone is looking at all of you. And she just puts oh, her hands oh, no. definitely oh, no. crying down. I think that Jane's like got her face in her hands and like just wants to like keep it between them. They're in their own little corner of the universe right now. She comes back to you the moment you do that and yeah. everybody else vanishes for a moment. Yeah, and it's, it's, you were so good. I didn't know you were going to be in the play. I did not know I was going to be in the play. I, I picked the longest part. You did, yeah. 
Oh my god, but you were so good, Cobweb? I didn't know you were going to be Cobweb. I had like seven lines. You were amazing. You were amazing. You were puck. You were <laughs> the two of you. <laughs> and just like keep kissing her because she's like, I'm kissing Asami Shanto right now. And uh, it's it's like, fuck everyone else. Like they can keep watching. Like, and anytime like Shanto gets shy, Jane's like, no, we're doing this right now because we have waited too long for this. And so Jane's very proud of her love right now. Sitting, sitting a few feet away, over by you, Tech. You, next to you, you see Vren smiling, and he looks at you and he goes, "Hey, Tech, what are my antenna doing right now?" Oh, they're doing the thing. <laughs> you see, they're relaxing back. It's it's basically Andorian smiling as he's just watching this, and he just says, <sighs> "Tech is fully crying, as am I." <laughs> Just watching that and just, ah, oh, LaCat needed this so badly. Ah. Owen is so happy for their sister. I'm feeling good. I'm going to go look at that Negvar some more. And he gets up and grabs a drink off the table. Um, no, my God. Jane, like, whips around and <laughs> stops mid-kiss. And it's like, where do you think you're going? There's a, there's a, there's a Negvar. There's a, no, there's a I don't care. But it's 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 green and it's it's no, big. No, I just gave the best performance of my life. It, um, yeah. Oh, um. Give me a hug. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um. <clears throat> Great. Yeah. So she she uh she she requires a hug from Ren. Okay, you get the requirement. While all of this is happening, Captain, you've moved away from the main area where everyone is celebrating. And you reach down and pull out that data pad that was handed to you. What does it say? Captain, after our conversation today, I see now why you were such an asset to Starfleet intelligence. <laughs> I give this to you with full confidence that you will keep this private. The ingredient in question at the end of the recipe is frowned upon by Starfleet. Please know that I have never once administered this to anyone, patient or not. If you know what this ingredient is used for, then please know that I use it as a necessity. It has not and will not ever interfere with my work or my ability to perform my duties. The recipe for my tea. Dyrapelli leaves, an old rare herb that calms and subsides rage and anger. Light cream sugar, and Nithonzo. Message ends. So, it's a substance that is illegal in the Federation. It is a, it is a engineered, it would be, it is an engineered drug that has multiple uses. Sometimes it can be used to suppress telepathy. Um, it's also been used in interrogations. And it can cause, in some species, death. Like, it is a, it is a neurological poison. However, it seems that she has been using it for medicinal purposes. It's just weird enough. 
that the old, nosy former intelligence official isn't going to let this one go. So, McCrell probably sees the eyebrow cork and the pad put away like it's going to be kept around for later. As you put the pad away, you see Kolar nod to you before he begins to walk back onto the turbo lift and he turns. The door is closed as the general vanishes. But behind you, Captain, is the crew that's brought you this far. Whatever happens next here at Narendra Station, whatever happens next with the Continuum, whatever happens next on the USS Ross, you have never been more sure than now that this crew, you and this crew, can face anything. If it means saving an entire planet from a celestial baby being born to bringing peace to the Romulan Empire, to discovering the mycelial, the mycelial network, keeping that safe. Everything that you've all been through, as you turn and look back at the Ox crew celebrating and laughing and talking about A Midsummer Night's Dream, you realize now more than ever that you're ready for the future. And they sure are. That will bring an end to our sessions of Clear Skies for 2020. Thank you so much for this game and for this year of gaming. We have that letter to read here in just a second, but I just want to take a moment to thank you, my players. Um, I just want to let everybody know it was a real nerve-wracking risk to ask folks to come back and play Star Trek again. We did not know what we were getting into. We didn't know what the landscape looked like. We only knew that it was our opportunity to come together one more time and tell a story that would belong completely to us and that we could tell as we saw fit. The only thing that made it nerve wracking was we weren't sure if the crew was gonna show up. And it wasn't because we doubted you guys. It's because we just were uncertain. It was a chaotic time. It was a very chaotic moment where a lot had changed for us. And our home, our old studio, the place where we had met each other and had learned to play with each other, it vanished from us. But because of you, we found our new ship. And because of you, Streampunks has our new home. So thank you, Ox Crew, and thank you, players, for coming with me on this journey again. I'm so excited to see what we do next. Um, I'm going to take this moment now because uh, Ox Crew has decided to unleash a feels bomb on us. So prepare yourselves. <laughs> and I'm going to do my best. Let me take off the Admiral's coat here as we Wait. get into the after show. I have to grab Puppy Tart. Yeah, get, get settled. Here we go. Oh, boy. All right, so I apologize. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to stumble a little bit on the reading, but I'll do my best. Um, let me just get some. Okay, here we go. This is an open letter to the cast. It says, we just wanted to say thank you 
for building this space for us. Over the last 11 months, we've had an unimaginable amount of fun, friendships, and feelings. This space has been a refuge from the world, a place of discovery, and a fertile ground for wonderful new friendships. Here are some fantastic stats that our Nietzsche gathered from our log, scene, log of scenes and Discord information. Over the last 11 months, there have been 42,000 plus posts. There have been 1,200 plus group scenes. There have been 1,800 plus crew logs. There are 120 plus characters. There are 10 new relationships. There are 80 dates. <laughs> there are 15 parties. There are 14 D&D sessions. There are 10 MMO gaming sessions. There are 14 clandestine operations. <laughs> I was going to get a look from Sam. Um, there are six pets showing emergence of intelligence. <laughs> there are five characters with emergent supernatural powers. There are six mind dives. There are six counseling sessions. There are seven cybernetic implant surgeries. There are five brain surgeries. Twelve incidents of people falling unconscious. I hope there was alcohol involved. Three people falling into comas. I hope there was alcohol involved. There are three Trill symbiont rites. Five cases of Holodeck 3 attacking people. <laughs> Excellent. Four ghost sightings. And the largest family found in the galaxy. I'm going to read the names as best I can. Alora Anophis, angry librarian tellerite. Annie Des Desider09, Lieutenant Jola Chevalis, Avery, Lieutenant Junior Grade Ozil Ebay, and Lieutenant Vahiva, Bialug, which uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up these names, so I apologize. Bialug, uh, who's Lieutenant Tahara Kadera, Callisto, Ensign Sarani, Crusher Titan, Ensign Nix Tenar, CX Zeman, Bobby D, D Man 1701, Lieutenant Tapris, Dorky Duckling, <laughs> great name, Lieutenant Lei To, EJ, Lieutenant Junior Grade Amara, Explorer Rowan, Lieutenant Ezigan Corme, Gemini Lightning, Ensign Tojik, Hotfoot, Kalos Hagen, Kite Finn, Lieutenant Junior Grade Andred Vasildoff, Lemon Eater, Hollow Chief Owner Maria Corona. Chef, I'm sorry, Chef Owner. <laughs> Too many chiefs. All right. His Lord, their Lordship, Lord Portico, a Meyer. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Lord Portico, a Mark VI photon torpedo. <laughs> um, Linidus, Lieutenant Jalloran. Moonlight, Dr. Tikara. Um, Never, Lieutenant Junior Grade Telesson. October, Lieutenant Paya Callum. Phoenix, Ensign Suja Maris. Reno, Lieutenant Ian Miller. Rogan, 27, Lieutenant Aoife Thanos. 
R. Nietzsche, Lance Corporal Misha Christian. Christian. Um, Serotonia, Ensign Ash Lemond. Sky Linux, Robin Adler, Slay. Simon Ejafit, Ensign IQ Ball, or Iqbal. I'm a little too literal in my reading sometimes. Teal and <laughs> Lieutenant Junior Grade Milo Ka, Trino Kulo 21. That would be 13 of 17. Vance, Ensign Tav Tavarla. Here are some individual messages from people that they wanted to pass on. Note, I asked each person to state whether or not they wanted to be have this read publicly. So here's our messages from everybody. And thank you for bearing with me. And I apologize if I got your names incorrect. <clears throat> this is from Lieutenant Kite Finn, Lieutenant Junior Grade Andred Vasildov. Congratulations on the content you have created and are creating on gathering such an exceptional and talented group of people around you and on having the generosity and insight to foster this community, both by including us in the show and by making room for us in chat to role play along with you. I can't tell you how much the RP has helped me get through this awful year and how glad I am to have virtually met the people with whom I get to make stories about the Ross. Thank you so much. This is from user Trenculo21 or 13 of 17. You're an excellent GM and it's always enlightening and marvelous to watch you on the television screen and your fundraising scheme has been a great success. Congratulations. Maybe I should throw more money at you. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Thank you. Um, this is from uh, this is from user October, Lieutenant Pra Callum. Okay to read on stream. I don't know if I don't know if you remember the letter I sent at the beginning of the year with the scarves. Yes. Uh, of, for the whimsies. But in it, I mentioned that the road home is long and difficult, and sometimes you need help finding a path. It's never been more true than now that the whimsies, stream punks, and you, Eric, helped me find that. I've been made. I've made the best friends in my life on this server. I've laughed. I've cried. I've survived this hell year. I've refound a passion for writing that I haven't felt in half a decade, and it's all thanks to the wonderful space you've created and given us to create. Thank you for the stories you tell and the stories you inspire. This is from Lieutenant. Uh, Lei To, also user Dorky Duckling. I love that name. In this community, I have found the most amazing friends who I adore so much from this fandom and for who that I am so grateful. I've had so much fun creating content on the server and watching others make content. It's been so much fun. This year has not been great, but Clear Skies has gotten me through some of the worst of it. Things haven't always been easy, but seeing y'all push through it has helped me find the strength to do so. Every day I'm excited to create more for my character and see what's going on in this rich and beautiful world you've created. Thank you all for that you do and all that you've given us. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the year and I'm so excited to see what comes. P.S. I'm still sorry for not realizing I was standing right next to you at Gen Con last year. <laughs> I have a personal headcanon that Toe is actually Jane's counselor. Lieutenant uh, Toe, okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm done. Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> this is from user AG or EJ, uh, Lieutenant Junior Grade Amara. I came to Shield tomorrow after it was already over when I was first learning how to play slash run STA. I to say that I've been watching you taught me how uh, to say that I to say that watching you taught me how to be a GM should 
uh, how a GM should run a game would be an understatement. Your storytelling has always been incredibly engaging and enthusiasm for the games that you run can be seen by all. When I discovered that Clear Skies was happening, I danced with excitement, but I couldn't even have imagined the beauty of the space you would create for your fans. I've met some of the most important and wonderful people in my life among the whimsies, made friendships that I couldn't have otherwise, and as a result, I've grown into a better, happier person in ways I couldn't have predicted. I'm writing again for the first time in more than a decade, and that started here thanks to you. You, Clear Skies, and the Whimsy server forever impacted my life in the most positive of ways. I will always be thankful to you for that. Jeez, you guys. <clears throat> um, this is from Serotonia, Ensign Ash Lemond. Uh, I watched all of S.H.I.E.L.D. tomorrow, not having watched a single Trek, and I started out Clear Skies RP in the same way. Ash was specifically created to allow me to interact in the space with little knowledge as I had, and the space was always welcoming to a newbie like me. Though this space, through this space, I've laughed and cried and found my way through a hellish year where time had no meaning and I was desperate to find anything to ground me. I've made friends, found myself in two different ongoing campaigns, one D&D, one STA, with people that I've RP'd with, and yes, I've started Trek finally. I caught up with Disco halfway through season three of Voyager. Uh, and I'm bouncing around DS9 with an RP friend. Thank you for being a kind person that, uh, thank you for being the kind of person that these kind of people coalesce around. And shout out to the Elder Mods, hell yeah, for their part in keeping the space safe and welcoming it. Shout out to the Elder Mods, hell yes. Toss a coin to your Elder Mods. Um, got a few more here. Um, gosh, you guys. <laughs> uh, this is from Lieutenant Jola Savalas, also known as Annie Disaster 9 Hey, look, I finally got it. Um, in season three of Discovery, spoilers if anyone has not yet watched it. Uh-oh. Are we good to talk about spoilers? Um, oh, this is a good spoiler. This is okay. This is okay. This is an okay spoiler. Saru uses the work of Giotto. I, I hope that's correct. The, uh, the artist that gave birth to the Renaissance. Sam, can you check me on that? G-G-I-O-T-T-O. -T -T Sorry, I only just put my earbud back in because I heard spoilers. Oh, right. Hear us out. <laughs> it's okay, uh, this is okay. What pronunciation did you need from me? G-I-O-T-T-O, -T -T Giotto, the, the artist Giotto. that gave birth to the Renaissance? Giotto, yeah. Giotto, ah. As a metaphor, he's an artist who helped break the Europeans from the Dark Ages by introducing them to the three-point perspective. Saru then continues on by saying that from that new perspective, a different time helps encourage us all to look up. The space that you have given us, the stories you and your friends tell us each week, and the encouragement for all of us to come together as friends and in many ways as families to write, create, are all allowing us to collectively look up at the stars. Over the course of this year, we have faced many dark times, but this space where we all get to laugh, write, play, and enjoy a universe. <clears throat> you got me. <laughs> uh, and enjoy a universe filled with so much hope is the lighted torch that will help us get through the darkness we face. This platform has helped me become a better writer, a better listener, and a better friend to many people I've had the honor to meet through this server. You inspire me to keep pursuing my own dreams because you've shown me that doing so is possible. And even if things don't exactly go the way I want them to, and I trip or fall or face shortcomings, I know that I have the support of a community to help pick me back up and guide me through that path onto my path again and again. I've made some of the best friends and I've forged some of the closest relationships with others throughout this year. And that is largely thanks to the space you've created for us to come together. Thank you to you, your friends, and the wonderful people that have tapped us as mods for being torchbearers for us and for encouraging us 
uh, <laughs> I literally can't see through the tears, um, encouraging us to light uh, for others when we can. And thank you for giving what you saw, that new perspective to all of us so that we can continue to look up. Someone has weaponized writing. Um, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> all right. Uh, this is from uh, this is from Moonlight, Doctor Takara. Uh, in Callisto Six, Cass tells her uncle, "You taught me to love my scars. You, Eric, have taught me to love my scars and to find beauty in all of life's difficult moments. The stories that you have told, the moments you've allowed the players to explore, and the love for which you embrace this community mean more than I will ever be able to express. When I came out as non-binary, I chose the name Moonlight because of." <clears throat> yep, keep going. Why did they choose the new Moonlight, Eric? <sighs> because of a character you created. <clears throat> character who went through unspeakable trauma during childhood and still had hope and joy in her heart. That is the way I want to live. Yes, I experienced trauma, but Moonlight gave me hope that it doesn't have to mean I become jaded and bitter and I can still make a difference and fight those in similar situations. You've also shown me <clears throat> what it means to live well with ADHD and not despise it. You are the reason I finally started running RPGs. You, at least from my perspective, allow yourself to make mistakes or lose words or wonder from the thought without becoming upset at yourself. I was only recently diagnosed both ADHD and autistic, and I'm still learning what that means. You are one of the people I'm attempting to model myself after. There's so much more I want to say about how much you and the stories you tell have helped me. But I'm struggling to find the words, so I'll end this. Thank you, I'm not crying, I'm being controlled by the master. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I know what that's like, uh, damn master. Okay, bloody hell. How we doing, guys? How we doing? All right. <clears throat> I'm wearing makeup and it's a problem. Yeah, all right. All right, all right. All right, I got this, I got this, I got, I got this. This is from Explorer Rowan, uh, Lieutenant, oh, this is a cool name, Zegan Cormain. Uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart for creating this space for us. I only found Whimsy RP this year and it's been a bright spot in an otherwise pretty miserable year. I have ADHD and PTSD, and I have an incredibly difficult time writing. I like writing. I feel like I have stories to tell, but my disability has made it so difficult to actually get any writing done. I look at a blank page and those stories in my head evaporate. It's been one of my biggest frustrations my whole life. But here, it's just been so easy. Someone, Kite, I think, did the math for me. Since my first RP post at the end of February, I've been averaging one scene a law or log a day. That's huge for me. I'm finally getting a regular uh, practice, writing, honing my skills, and telling better and better stories. You've given me the gift of a place to, ma to make my words safely and without judgment, and I can't thank you enough. Also, I've made so many fantastic friends here, both in and out of character. There are so many people 
I have to hug at a convention once the pandemic is over. I've never been to Gen Con, but now I, <laughs> I know I need to because this is the most wonderful and supportive online community I've never been a part of, I've ever been a part of. My depression and PTSD has had has had me in a really bad uh, place for the last several years, and I've had a lot of trouble making and keeping friendships, not to mention getting to know myself as trans. This community has been essential in my own healing process. I love each and every person on this server, and I couldn't ask for a better found family. Whew. You know, if we were in person, I would be smart enough to hand this off and let other people take a turn reading. Okay. This is from D-Man1701, Lieutenant Chris. Y'all are, oh, here we go. I came to the stream pugs because I was starting up an STA game and wanted to see how it was run. I found Shield of Tomorrow was instantly hooked. After it ended, I was sad, so were we, um, but kept an eye out for what the punks were doing because you were all so much fun to watch and I learned a lot from you. I found Discord because of you and the games you run, and I'm so glad of the RP section where I get to indulge my player side. Every week, I wish I could play along with all of you. I consider you, Eric, a mentor to me in the realm of game mastering, and I love the spoiler streams where you can talk about the process and we can pick your brain. Not to say that I don't like your other streams. I look forward to any time you stream. You're also giving and generous and have made a loving, inclusive, accepting community that is a joy to be a part of. You say you can never thank us enough for our support. Well, we can't thank you enough for giving us such a lovely place to be ourselves, have fun, and to hang out with such great friends. The support is the least we can do in return. Thank you. Oh, man. Okay. We, we, we've got more. <laughs> How are y'all doing? <laughs> this is from Silenix, the Robin Adler. <clears throat> Been following you guys since the first trip into Star Trek universe, and I don't plan to leave anytime soon. Thank you to you guys. I ran an awesome game in the Cypher system and met some great new friends at my college, and you've inspired me to branch out into new realms of nerdiness. You guys have been incredible to watch and see your group uh, and your characters grow over the years. I'm grateful I and my little holographic goose got to be a small part of the story. I hope you know how much we appreciate you all for your, the hard work you and the crew put in. Thank you. This is from Callisto in Sincerini. Uh, Eric and Cast, y'all already know how much I treasure being a part of the community from the mod side of things. Thanks for making such an amazing space for creativity and fun in a world that can sometimes be dark and scary. Y'all are family, fans, friends, crewmates. I wouldn't be half the MBIM today without this community. Heart, heart, heart. <laughs> this is from uh, CXZ, uh, Bobby D. I'm hardly ever there, hardly ever posting nowadays, but I'm always proud to have witnessed a community built upon the shoulders of, the passion, of passion givers. I've struggled with the creativity since my art school days. I kind of, it kind of died in me at the time, but sometimes I'm lucky enough to get a glimpse at what it used to be like to draw with joy nonstop back when I was a kid. Some of those time, some of those rare times happened watching you, Eric, and your jolly band of heroes, <laughs> and watching this community doing their, uh, and watching this community doing their choir in the back. Some of the best works, may I say, only happen because all of these whimsy hearts of yours. You're doing the work of muses. You light our souls ablaze again. You make it work worth giving back, creating, telling stories. You remind us why we do it. You remind me why I got into the arts in the first place. I'm happy and better to have known these moments. I have no doubts. I'm not the only one here. And I hope you feel the full intensity of all the love from this community has for you. Yeah, we're getting dosed pretty hard. <laughs> um, this is from Hotfoot. 
Um, Kalos Hagen says, Dear Eric, cast, and crew, that's you, Jake. I know you're here. You're still with us, right, Jake? I'm still here. I'm listening. This is, this is you are a part of this. This is all dedicated to you, too. Um, dear Eric, cast, and crew, I've been busy this year and so have fallen a bit behind in keeping up with the community and the server, but you were all fantastic and wonderful. Whenever I check in, everyone is supporting each other, helping each other through difficulties and engaging in wonderful fights of uh, flights of creativity and joy. Eric, you can tell some things about someone by the company they keep, and you are, as far as I can tell, an utterly lovely individual. I'm pretty lucky, I will say that. This community is a delightful extension of that, building a space for wonderful people to gather in. I got my start watching your shows while exploring space in my own nerdy and delightful way, and I look forward to picking it back up again in the near future. Until then, I'll always be around, thankful to you and everyone here for their whimsical, uh, for being whimsical and lovely. Oh no, we're nearing the end. I'm kind of sad. Um, this is teal and cook, teal and a cookie. <laughs> Lieutenant Junior Grade Mellow Cop says, "This year." I've struggled with possibility. It's, it is the direct actions of you, the stream punks and the ox crew that has allowed me to believe in it. You've created a community of creators. Beyond this, you've created a community of creators that brims with queer, disabled and neurodiverse people. For many people, you have created possibility. I will struggle with this for a while longer. Sometimes I do not believe I can be chronically, a chronically ill creator. Sometimes I do not believe that I have a voice worth the effort it takes to speak it but the voices of clear skies in this community have consistently proven me wrong i learned this year that i can make things even when i believe it's impossible for me to create tonight as i dream of whimsy and wild things there is nothing more important to me than that belief thank you no kai listen to your playlist all the time on spotify <laughs> nice um this is from lemon eater um, Hollow Chef owner Marina Corona to Eric the Stream Punks and the Proto Punks that came before <laughs> the Proto Punks. What I love most and appreciate about you is the sense of joy, family, and safety that you create campaign after campaign. I still think about Eric's NPC mom yelling at Oya, Amy being unveiled as the doctor, and so many other beautiful little scenes. A big congratulations to Lisa on helming the all BIPOC campaign in Blood of the Void. Can't wait to hear the story that you all tell. Sending hollow tacos and funnel cakes. Oh my God, we will take them. Yes. Oh, funnel cakes. God, I miss funnel cakes. Um, this is from Crusher Titan. Um, who said, to the wonderful stream punks, I literally cannot say this enough. Thank you. You made me realize it. But the things you do make such a difference. For me, you've taken, you've been a light when I was going through some very dark times, your boundless excitement, passion, curiosity, and kindness foster safe places for people to just be. Your advocacy, your advocacy for those on the fringes was one of the big things that helped me find the courage to come out to someone for the very first time. <sighs> damn it, I was doing so good. <laughs> um, you know, oh, damn it. <clears throat> All right, uh, EXE stopped working. Um, you know that being a functional human being means rest and knowing your own limits and encourage others to do the same. The support you all have, it's not people randomly being nice. We support you because you support us. And I know for a fact that I would not be the same person today if I hadn't stumbled across an episode of something called Callisto 6. So again, and again, and again, thank you. Jamie, AKA Crusher Titan. Whew. 
Okay. Ah, gosh. Vengeance is yours. My God. Um, okay. <clears throat> Couple more to go here. This is uh, from user Phoenix, Ensign Suja Maris. Uh, to Eric and all the stream punks, I just want to thank all of you for your generosity of spirit and the joy that each and every one of you brings to, to this community. From Eric's TBD RPG to now Clear Skies and Blood of the Void, along with the short run campaigns and one shots. I miss our dino kids. Um, all of you have poured your love of gaming and telling stories into these shows and has resonated with each and every member of the community. I keep calling it a community, but for me, it's more than that, much more. A big theme that was and is part of these shows was found family. You don't need a blood tie to be family. And that is what the Ox crew is, family. As a family, we have lifted each other up when it was needed. And the stories you, uh, <clears throat> the stories you uh, all tell lift us up in these rough times. And we are eternally grateful for that. Thank you for all of your talent, for creating a space where we could all become a wonderful, inclusive, safe, and happy family. Casey, AKA Phoenix, AKA DJ Phoenix. Um, this is from user Avery uh, Starbright, Lieutenant Junior Grade Ozel, and Lieutenant H uh, Vah Vahiva. Um, this is Dear Eric, Sam, Aki, Bonnie, Xander, Gina, Ravity, etc., etc. Thank you so much for being a huge inspiration to all of us. I know personally you've inspired me to stream my own tabletop RPG contents and tell uh, stories for others to hear and enjoy. Thank you for the hours upon hours of amazing role play that we fans consume joyously. Live long and prosper, Avery. Um, okay. Uh, from Slay, time 628 on Twitch. Dear Streampunks, thank you for every single minute of content you've given us. I would like to give a special thank you to Sam. Their character, Janiel Rue, was my first exposure to a non-binary person. Through a lot of research and self-reflection, I realized that I was non-binary, and they started me on a journey, so thank you. <laughs> May you always roll crits, slay. <clears throat> okay, got two more. I got it. I got two more. We got to power through this. Okay. <clears throat> Man. Okay. This is from Alora Anophis, um, Angry Librarian Tellerite. Okay to read on stream. Um, dear once and future streampunks, I found you right at the beginning of uh, season three of Callisto 6, and I remember the excitement I felt when I found out that Moonlight was ace. Um, what I read is good representation of an exceedingly rare anywhere queer platonic relationship between Sal and Moonlight. Since then, we've had ghost stories and dinosaurs. Ferengi, he used to be a daemon <laughs> and spies, but through it all, the hope punk shines through, and y'all have been beacons of hope through this hellscape of a year, but it looks like the first rays of sun are probing towards the horizon, and the black of night is just starting to turn to velvet. I cannot wait to see what comes next. Last one from user Biolug, also known as Lieutenant Tahara Kadera. Dear Streampunks, thank you, thank you for showing me hope and joy on screen for all the whimsy and friendship you made possible with enabling the League and for making me cry. I love you all. You enrich my world. Biolug. Payback. Yep. 
no, we never cry. <clears throat> I don't really have words right now. I make a living as a storyteller, and I got nothing for you. I don't have words. Hey, Stringfellow, I love you a lot. We love you a lot. So give yeah. me a call if we be friends. And Rob tells the story of it. Um. Uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, thank you, my players. Thank you, Ox Crew, Stream Punks, all y'all. Uh, thank you, Q Times. Thank you, Jake. Um, take a bow, Jake. Say hi to everybody. For God's sakes, you yeah. hello everyone. <laughs> thank you so much, Jake, um, for giving us a home when we had lost ours. Um, and and for being supportive and giving us a platform to tell you stories on, um, and uh, I I I I just gratitude. I it's all I can, I just, just, just gratitude. I, I don't have anything else. I'm just overwhelmed. Um, thank you so much for these messages. Um, what fools these stream punks be. <laughs> <laughs> You will still be able to find us on our various streams. Um, this is going to do it for the year for Clear Skies. Um, Blood of the Void still has one more game session coming up, and you're going to want to tune in for that one because there's still some reveals happening. So definitely catch that one. Um, Jake, if I'm correct, we are back on the 7th of January. Is that correct? No. When are we back? The yeah, 11th. We're back the 11th. The 11th. 11th. Seven that being said, that being said, I would like to say something real quick. Yeah. Uh, Chandra has actually set up that we're going to be at doing a marathon run of uh, all of Clear Skies uh, during the break. So uh, it, we, while we are gone, we are still here for you all to watch and have fun and whatnot. So we'll be there. <laughs> awesome. Oh, man. Great. That's fantastic. Thank you, Chandra. Thank you, Elder Mods. Um, I, but before we go, I do want to just take a moment, just real quick, um, to I, I have to take this moment to thank the mods. Um, as Cato, Mitch, Chandra, Librarian Liz, uh, Callisto, and now Meaning of Night, um, you know. The, the this this was an overwhelming task to try to get started again and it would not have been possible if the mods hadn't decided to lend their time and energy and talent into helping us and protecting this community and uh we we just cannot thank you enough there's just we cannot thank you enough and we're always going to tell people to support the elder mods y'all are the heroes y'all are our samwise thank you so so much for everything um and we will see you guys in 2021, but definitely tune into our personal streams because we're going to be around. We'll be available. We will return to the USS Ross in the new year. Until then, my friends, we love you so much. Thank you. Hailing frequencies are closed. <laughs>